Welcome back to the podcast, folks. In a sec, we'll crack on with episode 55 with Gareth Jones. But first, to this week's sponsors of the podcast, and they are Ultimate Add-ons. Ultimate Add-ons are the premium manufacturer of mobile phone and action camera mounting solutions for motorcycles. With a kit for any bike and a proven track record of creating products that keep your devices safe, secure, and easily accessible, the Ultimate Add-ons product range is ideal for any rider from the commuter to the round-the-world adventurer. Why shell out on an expensive GPS system when you could use your smartphone, keeping it charged and within reach to take photos of your travels at the same time. Ultimate add-ons waterproof, shockproof and dustproof tough cases are available for all flagship smartphone models and are designed by riders for riders. Find out why Ride Magazine gives Ultimate add-ons their coveted Best Buy certification. Keep riding this winter with Ultimate add-ons. It's all about the journey. I've been using the Ultimate add-on stuff way before they became a sponsor i had the uh, phone case i've always used the uh, i think it's called the helix strap mount that's the one i've always used i think it's in the pedal cycle the bike uh, section of their website go there it straps around any bar at all it means i can use it on almost any bike out there there's generally always a way that i can mount my uh ultimate add-ons case and that mount somewhere on the bike and then obviously i use that with kalimoto as my sat nav perfect job done so if you head to ultimateaddons.com use the code teapot110 that's t-e-a-p-o-t-o-n-e with the number 10 you'll get 10 percent off right folks let's crack on with this week's episode episode 55 gareth jones for some reason, we all hit it off brilliantly. So that's, you know, they've, they've come. And we, we've just got wrecked each time they've come. And, um, no way, uh, not you. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, even more than we would usually with anyone else. But, um, oh, just hilarious. I love them both, you know. They're, they're, um, this but that this is absolute with... gold for the podcast. We should have started. We should have started. Start, start away then, Bruce. I'm good to go. <laughs> right, we'll crack on then. Folks, welcome back to uh, Brew Time. I think this is episode 55, I think we're at now. So uh, this week we have Gareth. Gareth Jones. How are we doing, Bruce? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm really, really good. Thank you ever so much for uh, for the invite to come on your uh, on the on the 55th anniversary of your uh, my absolute uh, of amazing boot time. So yeah, now, yeah. People people say I'm a maniac because. I did my trip. If you don't know, folks, I've been around the world, you know. Um, I did my trip on the Jigsa. Well, you tackled Africa on, what was it? Um, uh, well, I did it on on my sort of much modified old 1951 Harley-Davidson. Um, uh, not your usual adventure bike. It's a good travel bike, but not your usual adventure bike. Yeah, but it, it wasn't, it's not even like it's a Harley Davidson. It's a 1951 hardtail. Yeah, well, we always say, and no offense to uh, anyone in, uh, across the Atlantic, we always say it was made in America and finished in Wales. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's a rigid, rigid frame, kickstart only, um, you know, very, very, very basic motorcycle, um, yeah. probably about two to three inches of travel on the front, depending if the springs are broken or not. Um, and, that, and that's it. So, so yeah, it was, um, uh, yes, yeah, so, sort of, you know, as, as, as far removed from a Jigsaw uh, <laughs> as you can get, but, you know, both fairly, um, fairly uh, different travel bikes. 
Absolutely. But equally sure. out of place for the terrains they found themselves in. Yeah, yeah. I think we're kindred <laughs> spirits, Bruce. <laughs> so, like, obviously, you did you you did much of South Africa, didn't you? You didn't you didn't. I'm not. I don't mean this derogatory. You didn't go all the way around. You didn't circumnavigate Africa, but you concentrated sort of down in the the southern to middle regions, didn't you? Yeah, I mean the the you sort of going back to the start of it all. Um, uh, I kind of wanted to do open garage door ride to Cape Town, um, yeah. and that was always a dream from from a young boy. Um, uh, and that when it was, I, I vowed I'd do it before I was fifty. And life sort of, you know, work and mortgages and pets and stuff sort of take over. And I was getting sort of older. Uh, I'd, I'd eventually sort of booked sort of the slot. I booked a, a certain time off work, saved up the money. And um, unfortunately, um, Ebola hit on the west side. And getting into Egypt, there was just doors shutting uh, because of the yeah. Syrian war. Uh, it was just getting more and more challenging. And I, I, I was just whatever I did, it just seemed to be a door closing. Yeah. Um, and I was up at uh, Hub Horizons event up at Donington. And happened to be wandering around Zen Overland's stall, chatting to Gabe, and um, I was telling him, "Oh bloody hell, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go, but the doors are shutting." And and some chap uh, who was browsing in there said, "Have you thought about shipping down to Southern Africa?" And I, I it never even crossed my mind that I could. Mm. You know, whenever I've gone away on the bike, you go from your garage, you catch yeah, a ferry yeah. to, you know, France or, or Spain or whatever, and you ride from there. It never crossed my mind to do anything different. Um, and I went, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And he said, oh, well, we're off to Kenya. We're flying the bike out to Nairobi. Pretty much the same time I was going. He said, have a word with uh, the joyous company, uh, Motor Freight. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was quite new to the overland world i've been motorcycling and traveling on motorcycles since i was about 20 years old 18 mm -hmm. 18 years old riding but traveling pretty much uh, most years from about 20 onwards so i wasn't new to motorbike travel but overlanding was a whole new ball game um so i went and saw motor freight and it's not a cheap thing but it was certainly nowhere as expensive as i thought it was and okay. that was my answer is suddenly i don't have to think about the door shutting I was a little concerned about some of West of Africa for the Harley as well. I'd done a little journey there back in 2009. So my trip was 2014. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, no, it was. Uh, so, yeah, I ended up I ended up uh, using uh, motor freight, uh, which was as easy as getting on a cross channel ferry. In fact, easier. I dropped the bike off at Heathrow at Motor Freight Singh. And a couple of weeks later, I flew out to South Africa and literally just went and picked picked the bike up and mm -hmm. job done. It was so easy. It was wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, I concentrated on Southern Africa. At the time, it it felt like I cheated, and I did feel quite kind of annoyed. It's like, you know, I couldn't do anything about it, but it, it just cheated. Consequently, by the end of the journey, I was so glad I'd spent the six months down there um, in particular. I had the most amazing time, and the bike was brilliant. And 
Consequently, again, sort of a year or so, 18 months later, I did actually do London to Cape Town. Um, and, I, you know, it was it, it, I enjoyed the Southern Africa trip much more than doing London to Cape Town because it's just yeah. clocking up miles. Mm-hmm. That was a short answer, Bruce. That's the, that is the shortest I think I've ever heard you talk about your trip. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you've never if you've never listened to Gareth do a presentation at any like hub or overland event or anything like that, you will know that like me, Gareth likes to talk. <laughs> and I think it's a Celtic thing, Bruce. Oh man, it's brilliant! Like trying to watch you <laughs> get get your presentation, your talk crammed into like a forty-five minute slot. <laughs> the panic that sets in. Oh, the first time I did it, I, I again, long story short, I ended up going out to South Africa to do my first presentation after the trip, six months after yeah. the trip. And um, I had no idea, absolutely no idea. I turned up, at, it was an Horizons event, first one in Africa, and um, Grant and Susan were there. And um, they said, oh, have you got your presentation ready? I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I said, well, yeah, I've got photos on a stick. I don't yeah. even know what a stick was at that time, you know. And I said, oh, well, you know, hours presentation. How many How many photos you got? I said, 280. <laughs> no idea. I said, is it on, um, is it, is it on uh, whatever you put it on? Um, PowerPoint. Keynote now, PowerPoint. Yeah. I'm on whilst PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm a milkman, you know. <laughs> I don't understand this kind of thing. So fair dues to Grant. He did spend quite some time with me going through it all. We got it down to, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a sort of about 150 photos. Um, but I overran by about an hour and a half. <laughs> People didn't have their dinner. Um, so, yeah, Jeez. it was... Uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, like, but... The story is fantastic, man. You know, the, I mean, there's so, there's so much which we we will do our best to cover as much of it as we possibly can in this chat. Um, I, I know you've you watched the um, Spencer and Kathy one, or you've listened to the Spencer and Kathy one, so I'm sure you're familiar with how it goes. I post up on social media; people have the opportunity to leave questions, and we go through the questions and and see where it takes yeah, us. Cool. Yeah, yeah, awesome. and, and I promise I won't do any sandwich jokes. <laughs> I think there's Kathy. some in. I, I've actually, yeah, Kathy, Kathy. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, watch the Spencer and Kathy. <laughs> I tell you what, that's very rude of me. I didn't, I didn't say so. Um, Slange, let's uh, crack open the uh, tipple of choice. Yeah, he da. Yeah, enjoy to your health. Yes, yours too. Yours too. Oh, lovely. Now, anyone that knows Gareth and his lovely other half, excuse me, Maria, will know they are infamous, infamous for their mojitos. Absolutely infamous. It is, you know you're in for a good but long night when when the mojitos come out with these two. I was half expecting you to, to have them on the go. <laughs> nothing to do with you. I, yeah, Mar- Maria is the connoisseur, isn't she? She's the master. Well, she's, she's yeah, she, she's the crazy one. She'll out-drink out me. She'll bring me under the table. And, and she is very good at making those. But she's branching out now. She's she's oh, wow. she's um, she's branching out into a few other different cocktails, which we've been sampling. 
But I thought it was best. I did think of doing mojitos for this evening, just for, you know, sort of posterity. But um, I get a bit shouty and I'll rabbit on even more than I would normally if I go on mojitos. So I, I'll I stick that. with the red wine and it'll it'll keep me chilled enough, hopefully. <laughs> I get a bit shouty. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, let's um, crack on with questions and just see where it takes us, shall we? Yeah, of course, yeah. Fantastic. Right. First of all, we'll go across to uh, the clan over on Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash teapot one. First one, Matt Jordan. 70 years from now, when modern bikes are the same age as your 51 pan, do you think there's anything out there in the current market that will have as much appeal? Or do you think modern bikes lack the heart and soul of a classic? Oh, this is one to get the juices going straight out the gate. Nice one, Matt. (laughs) So yeah, no, good, good, good question. Um, uh, I, I, three weeks ago, I bought my first modern motorbike, new motorbike since 1987, right? Um, which I love. I haven't stopped riding it, um, and uh, so yeah, three weeks in, I've already had its first service, and it's great. What Triumph 1200 Scrambler? Ah, oh, have you? Interesting. I love it, but the thought of that in not even 70 years, and I'm really impressed with Triumph. Uh, Triumph supported me on the on a North London, uh, London to Cape Town trip. Um, really impressed with it. But the thought of that actually making it anywhere in even 20 years' time is mm. probably, and uh, nothing to do with me riding it, um, mm. is probably, it's too much electronics. And, and yeah. much as they're brilliant when they work, everything now is designed for a, a short lifespan. Because everyone buys vehicles on PCPs. So they only have to last a life of a PCP is kind of my thoughts on that. I'm sure there'll be something. I mean, you know, the 1200 GSs have seen the the, the early oil, oil cooled ones seem to be pretty robust. But Mm -hmm. the new, new stuff, I think the electronics will be the problem. Um, But maybe by then they'll have solved it all. But um, I'd still take the pan. Still take the pan in 70 years if I can still do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting one. But I, I think, I think I'm sure they'll all do it. And, you know, hopefully the electronics will work fine for a long, long time. But that would be my major concern. Mm. Mm-hmm. What about yourself, I've... Bruce? I mean, yours, is, yours is a traditional, you know, still old school motorbike, isn't it? What, the, the jigsaw? Yeah, 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 I mean, there's, there's apart from the ECU, there's no other relic. There's no ABS. There's no traction. There's nothing. It's just you know your standard, old traditional sports bike, really. Um, God, I mean, God, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm still, I'm still sort of captivated by the Jixa, by my Jixa, by that sports bike look. I, I still love the look of that bike, and it will be a classic, definitely. You know, in yeah, well, yeah. Well, if 50, not 50 years, yeah, fifty years time when, when it's as old as your panhead is now. Um, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure that that Jixer 2011, what's that L L1 It's mm. hopefully it will it will be a classic. I'll never get rid of the thing, but I think yeah, you're totally yeah. right with the electronics. I do think I do think electronics will be the the doubt, downfall. I think it's the, the electronics are the weak point. I'd suggest of of modern bikes. I think it's the expendable bit. Aye. If you see what I mean, that's that's yeah. that's it's like you know the engine suspension and stuff like that will always be rebuildable. It'll mm. just become um, 
financially not viable to, yeah. you know, when you've got so many things on it, um, uh, to, 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 to keep them working. But on the reverse of that, who knows, in 10 years' time, you might be able to fix everything on, on your phone, on the motorbike, if you see what I mean. Yeah, not true. <laughs> so, you know, who, who knows? Technology moves, you know, very quickly, doesn't it? So, uh, um, yeah, I'm just impressed that I've got indicators on this bike. <laughs> this new bike. It's, it's quite good. And one of those, you push a button and it bloody starts. And I was just going to say, yeah, it's not a kickstart, is it? No. How, 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 are you, how are you finding the 1200 Scrambler? Have you cooked your nuts yet on the exhaust? No, no. I sit on top of a hot oil tank on the on the pan. That's a so valid it, point. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. Um, no, I, I mean you can feel it. I, I I had it a week and decided I'd try the Guy Martin esque um, slash cut pipes on it just because yeah. I can't leave anything alone. Um, uh, you know. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a week old, and I thought no, it's too it's too quiet for my liking, and I put them on, and it did run noticeably cooler. Um, off the cat, but uh, it was it was it was too noisy and too harsh for my liking then. But you know, watch this space; something might happen with it at some stage. Gotcha. But um, yeah, I haven't taken an angle grinder to it yet, which is what I usually do with new motorbikes. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, watch this space. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Cut as much stuff off. I mean, I, again, no, no disrespect to any of the Harley Harley will, but I always said the best accessory Harley could make was an angle grinder because uh, underneath it, all the all the nonsense. It's a fantastic motorbike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something about Harleys, isn't there? There's there's something about the way you make you the feet, the way they make you feel when you ride them. I was gobsmacked when I took the first one out for a ride. I was like, I actually enjoy this. I never thought I would, but I actually enjoy it. I, I think they they just they just misconstrued really because you know a lot of people buy them for lots of different reasons and you know mm. each, each is valid but they they, they you know they they, they 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 kind of got into a sort of bit of a trinket sort of jukebox scenario with them and, yeah. and they, they lost the sort of in my thing is they lost a little bit of the real motorcycle part even mm. though they're fantastic motorcycles they're not for everyone and i i completely get it but actually the, the, the engine on them is is very addictive. You know, it's a mm -hmm. huge talking motor. If if you look at it, you know, just as a basic thing, it's a it's an air cooled push rod motor, which is very understressed generally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, and it, it, they're fairly robust, a very fairly simple thing. Sound like anything? I, I mean, I've got Airhead GS from ninety one as well, and. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's obviously different configuration, different different bike, but the basics are. It, it's a very simple air cool push rod engine motorcycle, not too different to, uh, as I say, the world's probably most travelled. And um, you know, if you look at Tiff and Sam and you know yeah. all those people riding those kind of bikes, so there's you know the, the basics are pretty much the same, and they're fun. They're fun to ride, and it's Absolutely. fun to ride yeah. them hard because. People don't expect them to be ridden hard. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. It's it's just they made they made me enjoy just being on a bike and riding a bike. And I've said it in a couple of reviews. Like I found myself most of the time when I'm riding a bike, everything's a competition. You know, any traffic in front, I need to overtake. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm a 44 year old man, but anything in front, I'm like, oh, I don't like I don't like anything in front. I want to overtake. It's stupid. On the Harley, I just found myself enjoying being on a bike. Do you know? I'm not You're saying not that I'm not capable. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I found myself, I just found myself happy to be on a bike and, and enjoying just riding. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they do hustle, yeah. you know, some of them will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mine um, uh, mine is all not not what it seems. So it's, it's had fairly hefty modifications uh, done to it. But, um, um, you know, exactly the same as you off a traffic light. Not so much traffic lights because, uh, though it'll do it quite fine. I go out, uh, before I did the sort of bigger trips, I, I used to go out to the Alps or the Pyrenees or the Dolomites every year. And yeah. and that bike just excels. The, something like Stelvio, it is phenomenal going up Stelvio. It's like a big supermoto. It's got big wide handlebars. There's very little on it. So it's it's not as it's not as weighty as you think it is, but it has monster torque. And hairpin bends on an A road, everything's going to come past me. I mean, it's not a it's not a top speed bike at all. Mm-hmm. You put me on a mountain hairpin bend road, that bike I'll put it against anything, anything at it all. Handles, we were does it? Hairpin bends because it's rigid. You're just hurling on its side. Yeah. And you, you, what, you're not waiting for suspension to wobble around or anything. And as soon as you've laid it down, you're accelerating out. And we, we were racing, me and my mate, who, who helps me build it. He's my best mate, rides a very similar bike uh, to mine, bit uh, shovelhead, but very, very similar rigid. We were racing the locals on KTM 690 Supermotors at Stelvio, and we were whooping them to the top. Seriously? Um, oh, yeah, proper, yeah. Because we got <laughs> probably double... We got double the talk, and right. it's not long straight. So as soon as you put a long straight in, everything's gone past us. But if it's yeah, only yeah. fifty yards straight, and then another <laughs> hairpin, they're, they're fantastic. Um, awesome. So you know, not, I'm not. You know, it's 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 a very interesting bike, and people don't expect it. They don't expect it to be written up that. those kind of loads. Yeah. And I'd love to. There's, there's nothing. You know, I mean, <clears throat> that was. When did I do that? Uh, we did a Grand Alpine tour. We did about 4,000 miles in a couple of weeks and did every call we could possibly do uh, from the Alps, uh, down through the Alps and down to Salvio. And and I think I only went on a motorway past Milan, maybe, on the way back up from the lakes. Um, everything else was B-roads. And you get oh. in the zone, don't you? The more you do, the more you get in the zone. And it was, yeah, you I'll never in, be able to ride like that again. That's, you know, as you get older, you kind of... You know, <laughs> And the bike's a bit more worn out now after Africa. <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Right, well, I mean, I've got... There's loads of questions that have come into my mind just from what we just chatted about there, but I reckon <laughs> we'll fire through some more questions, and yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they'll open up the same sort of avenues for questions and stuff. Next question, Gary Whipperman, guys, how are you, man? <laughs> how are we doing, Gary? Hi, Gareth and Maria. Hope you're on the mojitos. There we go. Please tell us about the adventures in the Unimog. See you soon. <laughs> yeah, so you you've bought the Unimog, haven't you? We have bought a Unimog. So I came back from, I've done a couple of big trips. So the, the, the one on the pan is what most people know, but I also was part of the uh, thing called the Grapefruit Adventure, uh, which was teaching kids about healthy eating. And we did London to Cape Town. Um, uh, so I did that. That was a three and a half month trip. Um, I came back from that and bless Maria. She puts up with an awful lot. I mean, the, you know, sort of the world I kind of choose to live in. Uh, and she said, well, how about 
I, you know, I'd like to come. Well, my bike usually only has one seat. Um, yeah. She's doing a test, but she's only got one seat. So she said, how about we, you know, next adventure, let's do something completely different. And I'm up for that. I've been lucky to have, you know, my pan trip was the dream trip I'd waited all my life for. Um, so, and she'd always wanted to do a truck trip. She's had, she had an old Volkswagen camper van done a bit, but she'd always, I think she's Nessa at heart. <laughs> from Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> she hasn't got a tattoo of Welsh Dragon, but she you thinks she's that. There. I'll leave you alone. No, I know, I know. She should kill me for that. But um, so so we uh, we we didn't set out to buy a Unimog. Um, we almost bought an American school bus. We were looking. For, I was looking for a Sprinter or something normal. Um, uh, I wanted four by four. I've always had Land Rovers uh, most of my life as well. So I wanted four by four. And from some of the stuff I'd done down in Africa. Um, so we tried to do normal, but we're quite rubbish at normal. <laughs> so um, we we went off and and. Uh, I had a big argument. For those who know Yoka Salin, um, he has also has a Unimog and has been wanting a Unimog probably uh, all his life. And we had a, a very big discussion at Winter Overland, uh, and he was saying, you need a Mog, and we just about bought this American school bus converted. And I said, no, I don't want a Mog. They're big and thirsty, and you know, but I love them, but they're not kind of what we need. And, yeah. Again, long story short, we ended up um, going. We were going to look at a, a Mercedes Vario, the big boxy vans all uh-huh, converted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was all right, but Maria didn't particularly like driving it. And we pulled into a garage in it. We test driving it. And we pulled into a garage and, and a bunch of old people in a motorhome, like older than me, 70s, uh, sort of came over and chatted about motorhomes to us. And I just went, this isn't the world I really want to be in at all. <laughs> So, um, so put but, you off instantly. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. You know, they were waving and caravans were waving at us and stuff. And I went, "This is not right." But when we went up to see the Vario, um, uh, an hour away was a was a Mog, and we just went, "Well, we're going to have a look at it just to get it out the system, kind of thing." And I'd seen them down in South Africa, in particular, mm-hmm. I'd seen quite a few. And I had a little Corgi one when I was a kid, and I love it. I mean, I like four by yeah. four stuff. So, you know, they are great. Um, we went and saw this this mold, not the one we bought, but um, we took it out. Maria just did not stop laughing. She drove it better than she drove the Vario eight one four, I think it was. Um, so we drove this mold. We both just cracked up laughing the whole time, and you just go, Brilliant. "Okay." This is kind of so we we put it off. Unfortunately, we didn't didn't get that one. Um, but we were in touch with the company who specialised in them, and they said we might know of one for sale. So um, we ended up uh, getting one uh, nearly t- well a year and a half ago. And I still I was driving it back and forth to work uh, when I worked. <laughs> Um, and it, it, it's the funniest thing. It's it's again. It's as bonkers as the Harley is, and I kind of quite like that. Um, I think for for anyone for anyone not sure of what a Unimog is, best description. Uh, if you if you think of like, the big trucks you see in the Dakar Rally careering through the the desert, it's it's basically like that, isn't it? It's a big utility truck for yeah, adventure over yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and, and they're brilliant. They're not fast. They're not. I mean, it's a big old six-liter, six-cylinder 
turbo diesel engine. The first diesel I've ever bought. I've gone over to the devil's fuel eventually. I knew I would have at some stage. Um, I've always been petrol. All Land Rovers were all petrol. Um, so, but it, it's fab. It's it's 1978. It was it's proper German engineering. Comparing mm. it to my old Land Rover, you know, you shut the door on the Mog, the door shuts, and you wind the window down. Whereas I do it on the Land Rover, the, the other side door opens and the window falls out. <laughs> So, you know, it's kind of, um, but it's all kitted out. It's all, you know, it's got, you know, we've been, we spent sort of the, a while sort of kitting it out now. We, it's changed a bit. Uh, in fact, one of the first times we took it anywhere was winter overland. We picked it up yeah. in the September, October. We, I sprayed it. It was in fairly poor condition paint wise. So I sprayed it up. We took it to winter overland and the first sort of do we had in it was when the bar shut Half right. a dozen of us ended up back at the Mog. I was and, there. Um, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Smart here was stuck in the corner. He doesn't necessarily fit. And it's, it's, it's five foot up in the air to get into it. Um, and if I remember rightly, I had an old overlanding sort of lantern, camp lantern thing. It's um, it's a, a candle, and I had it hooked on at the top because I don't like – I like traditional lighting paraffin lamps and stuff like that. And when you were – Shit faced, you got up and just whacked your head on it and smashed whacked it all on the floor. <laughs> yes, uh, 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 I don't know what I don't, time. I it don't was. recall I don't, that, Your Honour. I'm sorry. I, uh, yes, I, I remember. Yes, I've had that a while. <laughs> I have sorry, fixed it man. now. It's all right. Put a new class in it. But um, and then you kind of, you know, teetered down the six. We got a little ladder to get into it. Six steps to get into it. So yes, Bruce sort of christened it. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. In a drunk way. Awkward. <laughs> I genuinely don't remember that. I genuinely don't remember that. I thought I had one was... mojito and went to bed. Yeah, Obviously yeah, not. no, you, you had more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Luckily, Sorry I don't have a guy. GoPro, so you have, we have no footage of this. <laughs> oh, That's lucky. No, it was a good Next. night. It was, night. It, was a few, it was a few of us. But it's, it's a fantastic thing. Um, but unfortunately, we were supposed to have gone off and we were going to do, hopefully, winter in Morocco in it last year. But obviously, the world changed. And um, yeah. so we're on hold. We're off in it tomorrow, all being well. So we're up. We're off out uh, out um, for about four days up in Hale Y in it, up at Baskerville Hall. I don't know if you've been to Baskerville. I've not. No, no, no. I've never been. Yeah, it's where we used to do hub. Mm. So um, uh, so we're, we're meeting up with a mutual mutual friend, actually. We're going uh, Lude Miller. Oh, yeah. Is, is, we're meeting up with Lou there. So, oh, cool. Uh, I think I've got a feeling Jackie Furneaux may be turning up as well. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it should be a nice weekend. Oh, say hello from so me. We, yeah, yeah. And, it's, and, and the fact that it's... Chucking it down with rain all weekend. I'm glad I'm not camping, and I'm glad sort of I'm not on the Triumph. So, what is going on back. with this weather, man? It's it's ridiculous. Ah, it's I just May, looked at the weather it? forecast. It's basically it's rain every single day on the weather forecast yeah. for yeah, like yeah. the next week. Well, one at this time last year it was where we yeah. were all locked in and couldn't go out the door, and it was a it was a heat wave. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. So the mark right, is good, thank you, Gary. But um, we will catch up at. Uh, I think we might be taking it to ABR. Um, so if you're ABR, we'll see you there. 
Um, if not, we'll catch you at Overland. I think so I think Gaz is going to be at, at uh, ABR. I can't I can't make either. Sadly, I can't okay, do ABR. And I, no, and I can't do the Overland either. I'm um, at the moment. I'm due to be in. Excuse me, uh, Scandinavia for most of September. Oh my, yes, I did hear you were off on a jaunt. Yeah, yeah, got a bit of a big trip coming up, so I'm looking forward to it. If it if it happens, I don't know if it's going to happen yet. We'll have to wait and see. But um, you're old enough yes. to be vaccinated, Bruce. Uh, do you know I've already had my first jab and I'm waiting yeah. for my second because I'm yeah. I'm on the at risk register apparently because I I had a when I came back from a trip I developed a, an erratic heartbeat. So I had to have the old cardio version, you know, where they, they defib you. They basically switch the heart okay. off and oh, yeah, restart yeah, yeah. it to get yeah, it back yeah. into it's rhythm. It's the timing, basically, isn't it? Yeah, basically, yeah. It's just it's just um, not firing properly. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah mis- That's just for you, though, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> you it's not to take, mate. <laughs> ev- everyone told me that that bike would be a nightmare and it will never make that trip and the electrics will fail and the engine will fail. The bike was faultless, apart from the subframe. The subframe was a bit weak, but apart from that, the bike was faultless. And it's me mm. that ended up being knackered at the end of it. You know, yeah, I had yeah. a dengue fever and a dodgy heart and everything by the end. Not, but anyway, yeah, be- you're not because of that. This is it, yeah. Good old Scottish engineering here. <laughs> Gunders. <laughs> I'm rust. I'm rusting as we speak. Right, yeah, next question. Yeah, yeah. Pete English. Hi, guys. Hope you're both fitting well. Question. Finish the sentence. The movie, the, the movie or TV show that traumatised me most as a kid was... So, what film or TV show traumatised you the most as a kid? Easy Riders. Yeah? Absolutely. It blew up the pan at the end. I still can't watch the end. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen it. I've never seen it. It's the most iconic... It's the most iconic film ever, motorbike film, and I have never seen it yet. I will watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, so That's the reason you, you got the, the pan then. <laughs> kind of. I'd, 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 I'd love that film for me, you know, as long as I can remember. And um, I don't want to spoil the end for you, Bruce. I mean, it's been around a while, but if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil <laughs> I think the end. you just have. But, uh, yeah, yeah. No, they, they um, yeah. They, I, I, know, I must admit, I'm more of a, a, a much more of a Billy bike than a Captain America bike. Uh, right. I did the chopper thing years ago. With Harley's and Triumphs, um, but um, uh, yeah, that that I still can't watch it. That and if you want to go back further, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was the other thing which blew me head. Which um, one, the child catcher? Yeah, I used to have to yeah. go and sit in the foyer, you know, and that's a bit embarrassing when you're eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me they gave me free sweets. <laughs> they took pity on me. <laughs> you know, I was I was just going to say Jaws. Jaws probably has had the biggest impact on me because I have never, ever liked being on the sea ever since. You know, like, I don't mind being in a boat and I don't mind being under the water, but floating, like treading water in the sea scares the shit out of me. It doesn't matter where I am. I could be off the coast in Scotland, off Peterhead or Aberdeen. Do you know what I mean? I, I shit myself just looking at the open see in front of me hate it and it's because of Jaws Bruce you need a bigger boat <laughs> I need a ferry <laughs> <laughs> no and Jaws the- never, 
never bothered me. But I was, I did, I, on, on um, the last time I was out in, in um, South Africa, I did a cage diving uh-huh. um, off in Ganspoy. Um, down do on the that. south coast there, which is, and it was bonkers. We had real, we had real doubts. Both me and Maria uh, love our wildlife, absolutely mm-hmm. love our wildlife, and yeah. we had real yeah. doubts about is it morally and ethically right to mm-hmm. do it. But we were assured yeah, yeah. it was, and we thought we got to. And it was, if you if ever you get down to that part of the world, or in your inner part of the world where you can do it. Go and do it, even if you're. They are magical creatures, absolutely magical creatures. Love to, yeah, yeah. It was a real highlight. Don't get me wrong, you know. Although I have this thing about being on the sea, like treading water in the sea, I love sharks. I would love to cage dive with them. I I love seeing them. I, I think they're incredible animals. And, and I meant to do the white water, sorry, I meant to do the cage diving either when I got to South Africa, which I didn't end up getting to, sadly. But when I got to Australia, that was another aim. I thought, right, when I get to Australia, I'll do the cage diving. But by that point, I was so skint by that point. I just I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't <laughs> afford it. It was like, yeah, I'll have to, have to do this another time. But it is something yeah. I would love to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. And it might, it might alleviate your... Fears then, or just come swimming in the Bristol Channel, Bruce. You, you, you know, the worst you're going to experience here is a, it's a big turf job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. It's better than it I've, used to be. I've got this other thing in my head now about it's probably never ever going to happen, but it's it's definitely there in the back of my mind, just just churning away, rowing the Atlantic, like rowing solo across the Atlantic. But yeah. I've 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 had this this like vision in my head since how since Jaws of me getting eaten by a shark. You know, it's just it's always in my head. And then I'm starting to think now, shit, shit. Is this is this what's going to happen if I try and row the bloody Atlantic? Because you've got to get in the water and clean the boat and all sorts, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, it, it's it's one of those things. It's a great thought. I must admit, yeah. you kind of go. I think I go completely loopy. You're not moving fast enough for a start. No, you're not. And, and yeah. I, I used to do a bit of sailing dinghy racing in my teens, and um, and we're big tidal here, massive tides here. And and if you caught a race wrong, and and the tide was you were heading into the tide, you were just going backwards. And mm. I, you know, I know I ride a Harley, and I'm used to kind of going, you know, slow, but going backwards. Just there's no movement, and I, it just yeah, <laughs> amazing challenge to do though, Bruce. Bloody hell! Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah. I don't know. it costs an absolute fortune, so it'll probably never ever happen. But it's just something mm. that's just just raising its head, and it's sat there in the back of my mind at the moment. And like, mm, yeah, I yeah. I had, I, had these, some- um, I had three three young Scottish brothers on the McLean brothers. They came on the podcast, and they did it last year. They they rode the Atlantic last year in the Talisker Challenge and set world records and stuff. For, I think they did it in like was it thirty eight days or thirty seven days, wow. something like that. Yeah, phenomenal. Bloody hell. So I was chatting to them and it was just like, oh wow, it sounds it sounds more of a mental challenge than a physical one for sure. Um, and then there's just been another group that have done it. Uh, do you remember uh, Pritchard from Dirty Sanchez? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's down the yeah. road from us. Right. Well, he's he's just done it with three other guys in a in a challenge called Monkey Fist. Um, oh, they did okay. it for 
male, sadly, for uh, a, a male suicide charity, and um, they're all vegans now. So you know, it's for yeah, yeah, an yeah. animal charity and stuff. And one of the guys from that group, Johnny, he's actually coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks to chat as well. Oh, so. Cool. Um, be interesting well, to chat well, to him. And it's going to juice his flowing boots. Yeah, yeah, it has. Because I'm, I've got into rowing like on the rowing machine out of my garage <laughs> since like Christmas time, and um, yeah, it's just started. It just started popping into my head. Oh, this this could be a challenge. <laughs> but it's it's there like you the two hundred well, grand you you've some... got raised. Right. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> if you want some practice, what I can do. I think we got to, uh, you know, some, to get the, the feel of it, <laughs> get your rowing machine, bring it down to South Wales because we're twinning yeah. with Atlantis, and then right. we'll attach it to the back of the mog and we'll just go and drive over the beacons, towing Let's you do while it. you're doing your rowing machine. Excellent. Just in the rowing. buckets of ice-cold water. In your face. What, <laughs> yeah, it's going to give you a bit of insight into what the Atlantic's like. <laughs> with sheep nipping at my bollocks all the time. Just yeah, make me think yeah, of the yeah. sharks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can take one with you really aptly, Bruce, but, you know. (laughs) I'm not, let's not tell that. We'll not take that any further. But 38 days. I would have thought that would have taken a lot longer. I don't know why. I know nothing about it. But 38 days to cross the Atlantic in a rowing boat. Yeah. it It ranges from, I think the record is, I think the record is sub 30 days. I think it's like 28 days is the record. But it can go to over 100 you know, if, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're doing it solo and the, the weather's not good, excuse me. Yeah, there, there's a real discrepancy depending on how many people are doing it and the weather, really. So, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just a pipe, it's just a pipe dream at the moment. But you know, we all know how these things start, don't we? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say the other way of doing it is do what D- Dylan Wickrama did and you know, to turn the uh, jigsaw into a into a you know into a powerboat. <laughs> Imagine that. That was crazy. Yeah, he turned his he turned his bike into basically the power source for a boat, didn't he? To do that was that to yeah, do yeah, the Darien yeah. to, to cross from yeah, South yeah, America yeah, to yeah, Central Columbia. Yeah. 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 His book is fantastic. I mean, he's got the film is is equally as good, but the book is one of the nicest books. It's it's a fab book. Um, yeah, what no, was it really, called again? Really, really, when the road ends. When the I said that is it. Gotcha. When the road yeah. ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonkers. But but no, just I was just thinking about those. Sides. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a lovely book. The film is there. I think you can get it on. You used to be able to get it free on Amazon Prime or whatever. But it's <laughs> when the road ends. Um, he, he kind of revisits it on on the film, um, but yeah, oh, it's fab. He's he's a yeah absolute star. So, but that. I was just thinking with the McLean McLean brothers. You said McLean brothers, yeah. Who did it? McLean brothers. How many of them? Three, Four. three, three, three. Thirty-eight yeah. days. Do you reckon they can put a motorbike on a rowing boat and get me to Tangier in a couple of weeks? <laughs> Probably. Because <laughs> Britney ferries are a bit sporadic at the moment. <laughs> I'll, I'll put you in touch with them. I'm sure they'll give it a bash. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Anything for a challenge. Right, next question. Yeah. Bob Holly. Hope all is well, gentlemen. All good. Thank you, Bob. Question. If you could go for a ride, a brew, and a conversation, who would you rather have roll with? Who would you ah, who would you rather roll with and why? Evil Knievel, Steve McQueen, Travis Pastrana, or Rossi? So, ride, a brew, and a chat. 
Evil Knievel, Steve McQueen, Pastrana, or Rossi? Who would be your For choice? For me, absolutely, absolutely no question, Mr. McQueen. Is it? He's, he's my absolute hero. Um, oh. Great Escape, one of my favourite films on any Sunday. Yeah, if you yeah. actually look at my photos of uh, the pan trip, um, if you look at my crash helmet, I've written open face to readers for many, mm. many years. And my uh, crash helmet is a copy of a Solar Productions, which was Steve McQueen's um, uh, production company when he did on, on any Sunday. Uh, Proper farm boy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I am a proper, yeah, yeah. Guy, are you... I used to do a bit with sports cars as well, and and uh, I go to Le Mans. I used to go to Le Mans every year for the twenty four hour to watch it, not not compete. <laughs> but um, so I love what he did. He raced for Porsche and was a, a, a racer, a car racer, sports car racer in his own right. Obviously, his motorcycling is you know fantastic uh, films and just an all round petrol head. The, the films, <laughs> you know, Great Escape. Brilliant, Papillon, brilliant. Um, Le Mans, I absolutely love, not for everyone. Um, but he's a petrol head, and I kind of yeah. like petrol heads. So, no, so no, yeah, for me, they're, they're, they're absolutely, you know, all great. I'd go, but it'd be nice to have a, a whole weekend with all of them. But yeah, miss Steve McQueen for me every time. I was, I was thinking, initially when I was reading it, I was thinking McQueen, and then I thought, no, evil can evil could be a scream. You, you know, you, you kind of hope that he's going to be that wild character. He is actually that wild character. Or is he one of these people who the public face is this crazy daredevil type, but privately he's really reserved and, you know, quiet? I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that he would be, he would be I, equally I as boisterous <laughs> off the bike. The fact that he did a lot of his jumps with Harley Davidson worries me. Yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> I want to talk to someone. We did something that mad on a Harley Davidson. <laughs> says, says the man that took one round uh, Africa. <laughs> yeah, I kept um, mostly both wheels on the floor. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Evil Can Evil could could be a scream. To it have would him. be a toss up for me, Steve McQueen. But I think Evil Can Evil would run a close second. <laughs> Great question. Like that is a good question. question. Cheers, Bob. Yeah. Right. Ne- yeah, yeah. Next one. There's a, great, there's a great book actually on. Sorry, just to go back. There's a great book about um, Steve McQueen's um, uh, making of the film Le Mans, and it, it also touches on a bit of on any Sunday called uh, A French Kiss with Death. And for any McQueen fans out there, I'm sure if you're a McQueen fan, you've probably read it. But it's a really, really interesting book. Of mm-hmm. of uh, um, sort of the, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff because it was uh, he, Le Mans was he hated making it basically yes. but it, it was yeah it's a fantastic book French Kiss with Death um, really interesting because Le Mans didn't do well did it like the, the film no was, um, he, yeah, he wanted right. it a lot mm-hmm. um, I think at the same just before they released Grand Prix which right. was probably the film that. McQueen wanted he wanted it all about the cars and in mm. fact a lot of the story is is you know they they added because they needed a story he just wanted racing cars yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah it's a, it's a you know it's it's a really interesting book but it, it was not a film that I think he enjoyed making um uh which I think at the end of it that's when he he sort of 
bowed out, if I remember rightly, a bit vague, but um, I think that's when he made on any Sunday. He got fed up right. with the Hollywood and, and did on any Sunday on his own, yeah. on his, off his own back. Yeah. So, and that's uh, a good film. Yeah, that's happening. Oh, that's, that's a proper iconic. Kind of like yeah. isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, next one, Philip Martin. Philip Martin, do you guys think traveling around the world overland with family, spouse, and kids, not necessarily on a bike, has a very different taste of an adventure than traveling solo? What do you think it would be? Uh, what do you think it would be missing, and what are the gains? Oh, good question. Hmm. Who do we know that's done it then with with like a family? I don't. I don't think I know anyone personally. Who's done it with a family, you know, with kids no, involved as well? Think of, no, I met a few people on the road who were traveling mm. with family. Um, I met a couple, Swiss couple in um, Livingston, and they've been on the road for three years in a land cruiser, converted uh-huh. land cruiser, poopy, very South African um, uh, land cruiser. And they'd, they'd had a son born. Some was year and a half, maybe two. By the time we met them, they 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 um, gave birth on the road and wow. kept going. They were they were at their wits' end. They were heading well, home back to Switzerland by the time yeah. they'd got to us, and they just said we're fed up of um, you know basically living out of a you know it's quarter of the size of the mog. And um, it was just a shit tip they van because it, you know, and they said we can't go anywhere because the baby. Um, God, I I don't have. Family, I'm, I like solo travel. I'm looking mm. forward to traveling with Maria because um, you know the hangover will be horrendous, but it'll be great fun <laughs> traveling. Um, We're not going to be but, sober uh, enough to drive at any point. <laughs> well, she drives it as much as I do, so that you know we can take it in turns. But no, that's a. <laughs> I think the challenges would be. I think it'd be hugely rewarding to to take. I don't have kids, but it would be hugely rewarding to have kids who are old enough to kind of view the world a bit i think that'd be really interesting showing you know i, I don't know a 10 15 year old the, the world of, of that yeah. there's more to it than a computer screen um i think that'd be really interesting um i'm not you know convinced i need kids to go and do it i'd rather a motorbike but um or maybe the mog but um but yeah interesting um there's well, there's a travel. There's a young couple who I follow on Instagram and I am frantically trying to rack my brains for their their tag, their their handle. I think they're they might be European or possibly Portuguese, South American, but they are on the road with like all their young kids. And I think they've adopted kids as well because they've got, you know, I think they have a, you know, they've got a black kid and an Asian kid and you know, I think they've got about five or six of them now. They seem. I think they've all come back to whatever country they domicile in whilst COVID is out there. I, I remember following the trip and they made the decision quite a while into COVID that yeah, okay, we're gonna we're gonna head back now. I think it was maybe at that point where everyone was going, oh shit, this is maybe a bit more serious than perhaps we gave it credit for. Yes. You know, before <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, like May, June, uh, yeah. July, that sort of time last year. So they made the decision to go back and they now there's now a big extended family in their post. I can't remember them. I put it, folks, if you listen to the podcast, check out the show notes. And if you, you're watching the video, check out the description and I will, I'll put all the social links, but I'll put this one in there as well. Really is well worth following because you see 
like when you when you look at their young kids, like they're in nappies or they were in nappies at one stage anyway last year, and you see what these kids are doing, and as you said, the 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 things that are presented to them just by traveling, being out there traveling, you know, the wildlife that they see and the countryside that they see, and you're like, well, that's incredible. That's not it's not something that is normal for us anyway. You know, when you grow up. Oh. I think, I mean, the education you're going to get mm. on the road, and I, I, I mean, you know, it's, I, it's got to be as valid as any schooling yeah. to get to get the perspective of the world from from actually seeing it. There's, there's a, mm. there is, and I can't think of the name, same as you. I'm sure if you Google it, you can put that up as well. There's an Argentinian family who've been on the road for many years in a vintage car. It's like 1930s wow. old Ford or Chevrolet or something like that. Looks like wow. something out of Bugsy Malone or, or Al Capone or something. And they've been on the road. They've been to the UK, definitely. And there's about six of them. And they've travelled in this car for years. And the, the kids were kids when they started. And now they're, you know, 20-year-olds and stuff. Mm. And it, every now and again, I'm sure there's probably YouTube stuff on that. But it's an Argentinian family in a vintage car who have driven for years on the road and, and that that's always incredible. intrigued me um, yeah, you know, yeah definitely the best I did was a milk float around town but um, <laughs> that was we'll an adventure in itself we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. Get, we'll get to the milk actually in a second but what you were saying there about you know like the opportunities and how, how amazing that must be for kids to grow up in it but then I'm also thinking to myself you, you, it, you'd have to be careful that you that you sort of Impose is probably the wrong word. That you that you uh, introduce boundaries to your kids as well, because you don't want them growing up feral, just thinking they can do anything. Do you? You know, you you want kids, you, you know, but you 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 want your kids to to feel like they can accomplish anything in life, but they've got to realise what is right and wrong, and think for themselves. Surely. Do you not think? I don't know. See, I think I, I was kind of quite lucky. I lost my parents quite young, but mm. I, I kind of lived in the countryside for a little while and went a bit feral. Maria grew up with a, um, her mum is an absolute star, but it was a, a, a hippie. So right. Maria, other than the mojito, is as straight as a die because um, <laughs> she couldn't rebel against her mother because her mother had done it all. Oh, <laughs> and, right. and okay. So, so yeah. I think as, as, a, as a kid, you know, I was fairly bonkers when I was younger um, as, as we all were I'm sure but um, uh, so I think you know life on the road the, the, the kids are going to probably grow up and go and do a nine to five you know be a solicitor or an office job or something because yeah. they've done all the, the crazy mm. yeah yeah, yeah. so but interesting I think just the view of the world not media led yeah, I think absolutely. is just an interesting thing because the media is you know uh, it has its place, but it 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 it's a cloudy sort of vision of the world. We'll say it's it's doctored. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. It has its place because it 100 does. And I think true. I'm going to sound like Joe Rogan here, but I, I do think it's a valid point. True journalism is an essential part. It's something we need. You know, people who are out there reporting facts, what they see. That is essential because we need to know what is going on in other countries. And that's where overland travel is just so amazing because you're not 
you're not in some package tour bus going from airport to hotel to tourist attraction. You know, you're not in that. You're traveling, you're living, you're breathing, you're smelling, you're experiencing, you're mixing with the locals. You're, you're getting ill and having to rely on help of locals and doctors. You get to know and experience that country, don't you? And it's not through the TV. It's through your own, your own interactions with people. It's what I think is so amazing about our sort of travel. Yeah, I was, I was, I've gone through a couple of um, elections in Africa, mm. um, which are properly crazy. I mean, our elections here are so tame. Even <laughs> Brexit was tame for an African election. I did it in Zambia and in Ghana, and I was, uh, I was in Ghana when the election was on, and it was at the same time that um, Gambia were having the prime minister there, president, uh, had been elected out, but he wouldn't leave. And Jesus. it was going to get to the point that the Senegalese army were going to go in, we're going to do a bit of a coup, and it was getting a bit crazy. And I was in Ghana at the same time. They had an election, and, and any African, um, uh, just completely crazy, absolutely crazy um, uh, campaigning and just bonkers. Um but we were uh, we were it uh, we were just outside Accra, the capital city, being hosted at a farm, a uh, place called Blue Skies, um, and we were told not to go out on election day in particular. And even though Ghana is one of the most happiest countries I've ever been to, mm-hmm. you know, election day is stay put. Um, and but we went out the following day, so we stayed put, and we were watching the BBC News. Uh, in the in the lodge we were staying in, and um, uh, for the, for anyone who hasn't been to Ghana, Ghana is a is not a third world country. It's a modern, mm. you know. You go into Accra, it's skyscrapers, is you know modern car dealerships. It's a you know it's a it's it's it, by UK standards, it, it looks like a Spanish mm. hot city gotcha. so i always think you, you sometimes you look at things and you think oh it's a bit sort of third world but it's not it's because it's a hot country and and mm-hmm. so buildings are different and this and the other anyway back back the 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 bbc were watching it and they were reporting on the Ghanaian elections they didn't do it in accra in this modern metropolis they went to one of the few kind of mud hut villages, traditional mm-hmm. villages, which you know there's many of them and but they work for that particular environment. But you just go, we were watching it in just outside of Accra mm-hmm. and watching this BBC news footage going, everyone who's watching that is just going to think Ghana is some sort of third world country yeah. with no infrastructure and just, yeah. you know, people living in mud huts. And mm-hmm. it's just not true. You know, they, no. they were just, a, 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 you know, a vibrant, fantastic, beautiful country, which, yes, there are some mud huts, but there's also modern infrastructure. And the BBC Absolutely. sort of reported it in, in a particular way, which, you know, I get that's what people want to see, but it's not true. That's and what that's really annoys me now about modern media, you know, not just BBC, mm. but all of them, as far as I can see. When when I've, in my previous role in the Old Bell, I'd be involved with things within the city, within London. You know, you'd be involved in incidents and, you know, it's just stuff that have happened that makes local, national, international news. And I was there and I saw what happened and I know what happened. And you look at what's reported on the tech, like you said, and you just think that is 100% false. It's tainted Mm. politically. It's tainted in whatever whatever 
direction they've chosen to take, you know, whether that's political, whether it's racial, whether it's a, a, a gender based that, you know, there's just all these outside influences that you can see have been brought yeah. in. And you think that's not how I thought news was supposed to be reported. I thought it was supposed to be based on the facts and that's that. And yeah. it just doesn't matter, and, and is it? The BBC in particular, you know, and I think mm. as a country, we're, especially if you travel a bit, the BBC, we're quite proud of it. I mean, you Absolutely. know, today in particular is not a good day for the BBC, obviously. <laughs> but we're quite proud of, there's a, I don't know, an integrity and a morality Absolutely. to it. And, yes. And, and, and you just feel... You just feel let down that we're being manipulated. And I think, mm. you know, back to the Overland thing is that is the true joy of our Overland. It is there is no manipulation. You know, mm. you are seeing stuff and you can make your own mind up. And, I, I, you know, that's it's a big learning curve. You kind of go, well, actually, I've got to, you know, don't just believe everything that you're fed. And, 100%. You know, modern world maybe is, you know, social media, et cetera, as well. Ha again, has its, um, you know, amazing place. I mean, look at the Arab Spring and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and how social media, you know, sort of moved that forward. But also, you are manipulated. Yeah, and, uh, and that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy to go and see stuff firsthand. Uh, absolutely, yeah, 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 definitely. And I found, I mean, I know we, we've chatted about this before. Everyone chats about it that, that's done trips similar <laughs> to, to what you've done. That, when you get out there and you meet the people from all these different countries, you perhaps have a preconceived idea as to how it will be and how they will be. But when you meet them, just about everybody you realize is exactly the same as you and I. They're just people, people are open, they're friendly, they're a bit cautious maybe of, of strangers, obviously, but people have to guard up sometimes. But essentially, they want to look after themselves and their family and they'll help yeah. if they can. And it's it's just fantastic for the for the yeah. uh, for for what for what the heart the heart and soul. It's fantastic yeah. for your soul, isn't it? To to yeah, see that yeah, first time. No, I think that's you know one of the things which I get asked a lot about my certainly the pan trip in particular. Mm. Um, you know, it's all when you scared. And I was watching your uh, podcast with Sam the other day, Sam Manicom. Yeah, about you asking about the, the nicest man on the planet. <laughs> Mm -hmm. the nicest yes. man on the planet yeah yeah we can all aspire to be sam <laughs> don't we um uh but no it was it, it was true is you know the fact that i get asked oh you know weren't you scared mm. um i don't know if many people have been to barry but i'm from barry I'm, <laughs> anywhere else in the world it's kind of quite, <laughs> quite no it isn't barry's lovely but um uh it's it, it, yeah no i was not anywhere um in particular, watching that podcast with, with Sam, uh, and you've got family or friends in Joburg. Mm -hmm. Yes, Is that yeah, right? yeah, I've got, um, yeah. One of my oh, best I'm, mates, his family are all from there. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not blind to the problems. I mean, Joburg in particular for for South Africa, but I got, I got lost. I had a very big disagreement with my sat nav. We had many an argument. <laughs> My only, my only enemy on my trip, um, <laughs> and it, 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 I'm not very tech, as Bruce well knows. Just trying to set this up, I'm not very tech uh, minded. So um, the sat nav just told me stuff, and I believe it. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> it took me into, into proper downtown Joburg, where wow. when people saw my back after, just went, 
you can't yeah. go there. That's yeah. you're not you're, you're just not the right person to be in that particular part of part of town. And I kind of stayed out of cities a lot. I, I'm not a city person anyway. Um, but it it took me into you know proper downtown Joburg, um, where you know you're probably you stand out a lot. Uh, I stood out a lot. Pretty much anyway on that on that path, but you know, and not at any any stage there. There was it was probably I was I drove for a good few miles down a, a city sort of main street, and it must have been a traffic like every fifty yards, fifty meters, whatever. So you've got to stop, you know, wait till the traffic lights go, and I, I'm clearly the odd man out. We'll say, yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, but you know, not once. Did I ever feel threatened? I didn't even feel uncomfortable. People would just look at me. I think people kind of just were kind of flummoxed, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But people <laughs> just look at me and, and, and just smile. And, and mm. you know, at the end of the day, exactly as you said, people just they're just getting on with their life. If you're unlucky, you're unlucky. And I can be as mm. unlucky a I'm mile sure. down the road or yep. in London or in Bristol <laughs> or in Cardiff. Um, or Paris or wherever, as I can be in downtown Joburg. And if you're unlucky, shit happens. Absolutely. But actually, yeah. if you if you if you just treat people decent and smile and and just be just be honest and true and just accept that mm. you know people. I just think it's yeah. I, I I've spent I've worked it out. I've spent almost a year in Africa on motorcycles on and off, um, and and you know twenty. I didn't write it down. Twenty countries I've done in Africa, um, and I have never ever had anything stolen. I've never felt uncomfortable. Um, the biggest problem is authority more than you know. And, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, your your. your History speaks for itself, but authority was the biggest problem. But people generally, wherever you go, and I've travelled a bit, not on motorbikes in different parts of the world, um, people are great. People are fantastic. And, um, Absolutely. And it shouldn't be something people should worry about. If you're unlucky, you can be unlucky in your hometown. I, I totally agree, but you always have a moment. What's your biggest bomb clenching moment from any of your trips? Oh, blimey. I had a car pull out with me in the Pyrenees once, which I swerved to get around. I love um, that. I love that. <laughs> 20 countries around Africa on a 1951 pan. And for you, the like most dangerous point <laughs> was Switzerland, a car pulling out. <laughs> it was in the rain as well, which was a bit hectic. Um, uh, when I got to Cape Town, I was very kindly um, through. Do you know Alex Jackson, Capstan Motorbike? Yes. Tours. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Alex, Alex does all the, uh, yeah, any, great guy. Yeah, KTM rider runs Capstan. If anyone needs to go to Africa and can uh, do what we did, go and go and get in touch with Alex. He's an he does the, Alex. He does the ride for rhinos, sort of charity rides, doesn't That's he? Right. As well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Google Alex if you Great just guy. want to do two or three weeks in in Africa. He'll sort you out bikes. He's also a game ranger as well, mm. um, so he knows about the wildlife. It's just it, he is just a star when it comes to Africa. He, Absolute star. Sorry to um, interrupt, but he uh, also uh, does. He, sorry to interrupt, Gareth. 
Does Alex, is he not the only accredited person to do motorcycle tours through Kruger National Park as well? I think he I is. I think he probably is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He'll actually go works, through the game reserve on the bike. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is, he's, he's, his love and knowledge of wildlife. So if ever you're going to go through Africa, you want someone who knows about the wildlife and, and he's been doing it for 16, 18 years, something like that. I was very lucky to, um, he hooked me up with a friend of his in Cape Town and she came and picked me up from the airport and I stayed with her for a couple of days and we went off riding. Um, and then Alex um, flew in and we both rode up to the Horizons event together. Awesome. So for, awesome. for my first time in the Southern Hemisphere, Having him as um, as a mate to ride up with, and we've become good mates since um, to ride up with. And then I ended up going and staying with him on the game reserve and stuff. Just, uh, just as a, it's I'm I'm not um, I'm not sponsored by anyone. I have no allegiance mm-hmm. to anyone. But I think if someone is good and you know they're good, you should shout it from the treetops because there's there's a lot of um, uh, sort of hype and and as a sort of. Uh, uh, manipulation and sometimes the people who are really good don't get a mention and and yeah totally go, agree. If, if you want a fortnight saw three weeks holiday in Africa I can't recommend him highly enough um, his knowledge and his passion is is there you know he's ten times more passionate than I am and I'm passionate about it as, as you well know so uh, yeah no he's great but back to the original question um I was in in Cape Town, and the girl I was staying with, she had a, a GS800 and a, and a Harley Sportster. So first up there, we go off for a ride. So my Pyrenees thing with the car, I also went off the first day I was out there, and I am buzzing because, it, you know, this is a lifetime's dream. It's happening, yeah, looking yeah. At people, yeah, in the mountain while I'm riding off with you know following the girl, we went up um, up the coast to a, a restaurant and we had a lovely meal and um, only one beer, but you know it's just beautiful. It looks like the south of France down there, and it's fantastic. And I came out full of joy and you know excitement and everything, and I forgot to take the disc lock off my off no. the bike. <laughs> Yeah, literally the first day I'm there and kind of kicked the bike over, loads oh. of people looking, went to ride off. And yeah, so that was another, I didn't drop it, but it was close. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, you know, but yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, yeah, I get excited, don't I? So you forget stuff. It's so easy to do, man. It is so easy to do, isn't it? It's the one everyone warns you about. And you always yeah, say, yeah, don't be, don't be daft. Of course it. I'll not do that. Yeah. <laughs> everyone does it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, always cool. put it as close to the fork leg so you're not you're not doing you know, <laughs> you're not going too far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. But um, right. but yeah, nothing nothing crazy other than those. <laughs> that's awesome to hear. Really, is awesome to hear. So that's all the patron questions. We'll move across onto uh, Instagram now, folks. So that's at Teapot One Insta. You're not on Instagram, are you, Gareth? No, no, God bloody hell. I'm only just managed Facebook. Gotcha. Flipping oh, I'll put I'll yeah, put yeah. your Facebook yeah. links in in the description and stuff. So, first question is from Spencer Conway. Oh bloody hell! What we got now? <laughs> Apart from me, who are your main motorcycle inspirations? <laughs> As in, apart from Spencer, not apart from me. Yeah. Apart from Spencer, yeah. who are your main inspirations? There is only Spencer. <laughs> 
Good answer. And Good Kathy. answer. And Kathy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, shouting stuff from the rooftops. Uh, it does sound like a plug, but it is a plug. If you haven't read Spencer's book um, mm. uh, about his circumnavigation of Africa, it's... I read that book in two days, and I'm quite a slow reader. I don't, I don't have a good attention span. I read his book in two days, and he took me back to Africa. So if you have interest in Africa, read Spencer's book. Um, and he is inspirational. There's no question yeah. about it. The man's as mad as a hatter. Um, I hear Kathy makes good sandwiches. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, Kathy. Um, no, they're fab. They're, they're, you know, they are absolutely inspirational. Inspirational characters, um, like everyone, I read Ted Simon as a boy, Jupiter's Travels. Jupiter Travels. Um, yeah, and I suppose, you know, the next one, the nicest man in travel is... Sam Manicum. Sam Manicum. Yeah, and, and Sam, I think Sam... There was a couple of people who inspired me immensely, and Sam was one of the first people before overlanding was particularly popular. I remember going up to the NEC with kind of my trip in mind and seeing Sam sitting on a stool on the old travel dry um, mm. um, shop uh, stand. There was no overland area or anything, and, and I read his book Into Africa, and I, I, I kind of. That inspired me immensely because I suddenly realised that normal people, and and yeah. I say this with the utmost respect, normal people could go and do stuff. And, and I think into Africa, I suddenly realised as a, um, you know, as someone who's travelled a lot on a motorbike, that I could go into Africa. And I, and I think mm. the inspiration from his book, uh, uh, apart from being beautifully written, um, the inspiration of yeah, there's 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 kind of a regular guy. He's not sponsored. There's no funding. Just went and did Africa, and and um, yeah. yeah, that that was inspirational. There's another guy who I've never met, but I have conversed a little bit online with, is uh, an American guy from Alabama called Doug Wathke. I don't know if you've met uh-huh, Doug. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I've, ne- I, I've not yeah, met Doug, but Doug. I follow him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so around the world, everybody. Doug. Yeah. Knows yes. everyone, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, Doug, Doug went around the world on a, I think it was a 48 engine chief. Yeah. Thought that was a bit tame. So then went around the world on a 65 pan head chopper, very much like Peter Fonda's um, yeah. uh, chop, um, and did full on, you know, Trans Siberia and. Um, Proper, you, you know, sort of um, long way round stuff. Um, do you know what? I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit suspicious of Doug. I think he might be CIA or something because whenever there's an issue happening in the world, Doug crops up on his bike and seems to be there traveling. And you're just like, like Egypt. Remember when Egypt was just they had the the yes. the uh, terrorists storm the beaches and everything, kill a load of yeah. the tourists and stuff. Well, Doug Doug cropped up there on my Facebook, and he's like, he's in Egypt now. And I was like, no one is going to Egypt at the moment. What are you doing in Egypt? Yeah. And he was like, it's fine, yeah. everything's cool here. I'm going to go and meet a friend and. <laughs> Probably on a completely unsuitable motorcycle. Um, he was on. I think he uh, was yeah. on, either on Harley or the Indian. He was on like a, a cruiser type. He bike. would have been on a. I think he did. He did Middle East on a shovelhead. Mm. He called it a dirt still or something or Bob's. Right. Just it had suspension, but it was and and so between 
especially when I got to the point that I knew I was going to do a journey, <clears throat> Sam and then Doug Wells. So Sam, the normal people could do it. Not that <laughs> Sam is normal or Doug is normal, but then seeing Doug doing his round the world on a pan chop and just yeah. going, well, bloody hell, if he can do it, I can. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I'd driven a lot. I'd had the pan for 20 years or 15 years before I'd gone. So I knew I could, you know, I wouldn't have taken it otherwise. Um, but yeah, those two people were probably the the inspiration for that particular trip, as well as Ted Simon from a kid of looking at it. Absolutely. And Daktari. You're too young yeah. for Daktari. Daktari no. would be <laughs> my love of Africa is it was an old kids' TV program about a guy in a Land Rover. Again, my love of Land Rovers is the same. Um uh, driving around Kenya or uh, South Africa or something in a Land Rover. I think he was a vet and he had a cross-eyed lion right. called Clarence. But the, those old enough. Oh, I've heard of Clarence. <laughs> okay. Is that where that comes yeah. from? I've heard from Clarence the cross-eyed lion. I've heard of that. Yeah, um, what I was going to say was that's where the, the beauty of, of things like the Hub event and the Overland event, where you can actually go and meet like all these people who've been there, seen it, done it. And as you said, you meet them and think, you're normal people. You're, you're like me, you know, you're just normal people like you and I, and you're like, wow, okay, right. If if you can do it, it sort of takes that superhero aspect out of it, doesn't it? That it's just not attainable. Yeah. It is attainable, but you you obviously need to put a fair bit of planning and saving and there's a financial implication. Saving, yes, yeah, no planning. Yeah, Nathan Millwood um, yeah. organises the um, adventure stage in Excel yes. show. And yeah. um, um, Nathan very kindly, albeit weirdly, asked me to go when the first time he did it. It's the first time I met Spencer and Kathy. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, so I'd seen his TV programme. And uh, so I rock up with her. I mean, I, I think it was Spencer and Kathy, Sam was there, Graham Field, Jacques Lucasen, you must know Jacques. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Jacques. And the world on his, on his, yeah, 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 crazy Dutch guy. Um, Dylan was there, Dylan Wickram, Austin Vince, mm-hmm. the usual culprits, you know. And I'm there, and and um, Sean, Sean Dylan on his C90. He's got the oh, record right. for highest altitude on a C90 Irish guy. Lovely, lovely guy. Anyway, so we, we were all there, and... Um, that was a Q and A thing, which is quite nice. Q and A is lovely because you don't have to prepare; yeah. it's just questions. So Nathan's yeah. Nathan, absolute diamond of a guy, and um, and unfortunately, so uh, he put Spencer on. You had like an hour's slot just to you know <laughs> give you a spiel, and um, the, so you know Spencer was kind of new in that world because he'd been away a lot, and he I think it was his first event in overlandy kind of stuff. TV series already out. And so Spencer comes on and uh, gives his full-on crazy <laughs> kind of world of, of Spencer, you know, the, 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 the joy that is Spencer on full form um, yeah. and, you know, being shot at in Kenya and he's got a bullet hole in his swing arm and stuff. Yeah. And Nathan, so we'd only just met. And I loved them from the day I met them because we got drunk as skunks on tequila. Thank you, Kathy. Um, and we kind of hit it off from there on. But so Spencer's on, does it? And everyone is just gobsmacked, wide eyed, the jaws are on the floor. And 
then Nathan put me on after. And you go, well, I'm talking about <laughs> Thanks, <Nathan>. countries. <laughs> you know, and I know my USB is it's a stupid motorbike, but it's still, you've got to follow Spencer who's been shot at and stuff. And I just remember thinking, well, how the bloody hell do I follow that? You, you yeah, just exactly. can't. No pressure. You just can't. And I just remember going, well, my opening line was, well, I went and did six months around Southern Africa on my bike, um, but unlike Spencer Conway, I didn't get shot at. I just had a fantastic bloody holiday. It was amazing. <laughs> so, so you know, it, 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 it was kind of quite nice. And I always remember Nathan coming up going, that's brilliant, because you need the Spencers in the world because he's as nuts and, you know, yourself included, doing crazy, proper crazy stuff. Um and, and then, but he said, actually, it was quite nice to get the, the reverse of that, of people watching my presentation saying, well, you know, he had a nice time. I didn't get robbed. I didn't have any hassle. I just had a really, yeah. really good time, welcomed everywhere. But I did it on that stupid motorbike. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd love to think, and, I, you know, I think as, as once you've done the journey, the fact of, I'd love to think that someone somewhere has looked at, what I've done and saw that bike and gone, well, bloody hell, if, if he can do it, a bit like I did with Doug Wolfke on, on his thing, is gone, well, bloody hell, if he can do it on that, you know, and I'm not special, I'm just special needs, not, you know, it, it just it's just my bike and that's what I did. Um, if I if he can do it, I can do it on my BM yeah. or Yam or, or Triumph or whatever, I can go and do it. And even if it's just a trip to France or Cornwall or whatever, the fact that's, you know, if if I've inspired someone to get on a motorbike and ride it somewhere and open their eyes a little bit, then then I'd be a, a very, very happy man. I'm and I didn't get point. shot at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. It's nice. It's nice to sort of pass on the torch a little bit, isn't it? And when you have people come up and go, you know, you are the inspiration for me to go and do this. And it's it, it's nice because, as you said, we have all those others who were the inspiration for us. And it's nice to feel that, that you've passed that on in some, in any form. And, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I think so. You know, get on a motorbike and ride somewhere. Next town, Absolutely. next country, next county, whatever. Just get on yeah. a motorbike and ride somewhere. It's yeah, not I've a always bad said, way you to... Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't need to go around the world to have an adventure. Just do something out of your norm. And if your norm is going to and from the calf, you know, it, when the sun's out, push it a bit further. Go, go to another part of the country. Or, you know, if you've never been out of Wales, go into England, go to Scotland. Just, just yeah, push yeah. it that little bit, you know, go camping overnight or yeah. something. Just push it a little bit further and, and see if you enjoy it or not. Anyway, well, right, I, next I one. Say, oh, sorry, just to finish no, off that, I always say people that say, um, you know, you don't need to go around the world to have an adventure. My answer to that was, no, you just need a shit motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. The next town is an adventure. <laughs> yeah, you can have all you can have all those issues, can't you? Just go into the car. Yeah, yeah. Done that. <laughs> next one, Lee into the wild. That's Lee Davies, isn't it? Question for yeah, Gareth. Yes. <laughs> Does he still know how much a pint of milk costs? Oh bloody hell. 
<laughs> well, I won't. I won't. Thank you, Lee. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I missed you in Bevan's triumph the other day. Um, uh, yes, I do. I refuse to buy it in a supermarket because it's crap. Shall um, we? This uh, this is where this is where the milk connection should come up. Then explain. Okay. Okay. So I I've been a milkman all my life. I'm third generation. So my grandfather was a miner in the 20s up the valleys and came to Barry in 28 when the docks became the biggest um, uh, um, supplier of coal to the world beating Cardiff um, so all the, uh, and set up a milk business I never met my grandfather he died before I was born um, my father took on the business and uh, he died when I was quite young. So although it's a family business, I've never worked for the family. Um, by default, I always wanted to go to sea was my um, uh, passion. I wanted to be in the Merchant Navy. Um, by, by default, yeah, yeah. Um, um, by de- travel, movement, always. Um, yeah, yeah. By default, I ended up in the business because I kind of quite like driving and um, a little driving job came up and I ended up going there and then you win a little bit of money. And, and um, so I ended up being there for 37 years running the business with my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so very traditional old family milk business. We run the electric milk floats. We do glass bottles. Um, I said many years ago, I think it was a millennium on in millennium. I was at a big dairy do and said, you know, slowly the world has finally caught up with the milkman in the fact that we've been recycling since glass bottles were invented. We've recycled Mm -hmm. glass bottles and we've used electric vehicles before anyone used electric vehicles. So the world's finally caught up with the milkman. Um, So, yeah, I've done that all my life. Um, I do know how much a pound of milk is. I know how much we buy it for and I know how much we sell it for. (laughs) uh so um but i've retired i retired a year ago to go off traveling i realized yeah i realized i came back from the last trip it's a tough industry it is a very tough industry Mm. to be in a little easier now because um we were the right people in the right place at the right time when covid hit we were genuinely and i wouldn't say this if it was on the misery of someone else but we were we were um genuinely um uh, the right people. We had old folks phoning us up at the start of the first lockdown where they were shielding, saying, uh, you know, is there any chance we can have milk delivered and goods and you know product? Um, we phoned up, we can't go out the door because we're shielding. They were genuinely frightened, as many people mm. still are. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was yeah, a hard yeah. thing. The and they said that we phoned our supermarket where we've had you know deliveries off them every week for the last you know five years or whatever, and they've given us a six-week um time slot. And mm-hmm. so what you know, sobbing, literally sobbing on the phone, saying, What you know, can we what do we do? Um, mm-hmm. you know, we can't survive for six weeks, we can't go out the door, and you know, we 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 would say, Yeah, don't worry, what do you need? We'll be there tomorrow. Um awesome. so we, you know, we we've done and the guys who I work with were just they were amazing. Everyone just just got it. And we they worked their socks off. And um, you know, it was nice. We haven't always been the good guys because we're pricier than the supermarkets, but it 
we felt like we were valued for, and that's mm-hmm. been a long time since we, we were particularly valued. And, and, you know, a year on, it's still, it's still good. So it was sort of nice to leave it going on the up and on a high. Um, uh, you know, my brother looks a bit tireder than he used to look when I was there because we ran it together. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so he's, he's, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough old world, but yeah, I'm very proud of, you know, what, what we've done and the fact that we're an independent family business and still going mm. strong and, and serving a, you know, a good community. So absolutely to, to keep on that topic for a bit, if we may like talking shop, do you think people's priorities now with regards to shopping local, do you think, do you think that's maybe changed because of COVID? Do you think there's more people out there who will actively try and shop local rather than at the big supermarket? Or do you think people are just going to drift back to supermarkets again for the convenience and cost factor? I think that you're going to get a percentage. You, I mean, I'd like to think not just with shopping, but on a whole is, you know, you've got to look at the positives of COVID. I mean, it's been a horrible year in particular for travellers. I mean, we've all suffered because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think you've got to just look. I'm a big believer is worry about the stuff you can change and mm. don't worry about the stuff you can't. It just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just a pointless exercise. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, from our own perspective from work, I, I pop down to work every week just to let my brother vent because we've been used to venting at each other for many years. Um, yeah. So I, I still keep a, a, a sort of hand in it, although I don't actually lift a finger. I keep a hand in it. Uh, but, but you don't want to do it like that. You want to do it like this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I just – but no, I, I, I think a lot of people – we started going on the up from David Attenborough did us a massive favour when – uh, the Blue Planet stuff came on and the glass bottles became prevalent uh, again. Yeah. And we just, you know, suddenly we we do glass bottles. That's we've always done it. And it kind of makes a lot of sense in this in this particular world. COVID then obviously uh we had a lot of people come over and, and I'd like to think we you know we have helped people immensely. You know, we we made a difference in a in the community. Um we cover pretty much a lot of the Vale of Glamorgan, so our whole county. Mm. Um, and um, so uh, I think a lot of people will support us because of what we've done and also the fear that it may go back to that and actually, mm. you know, we're, we're in the right place. But you're always going to get a pe- percentage of people. And, and you know, I can't blame them. You've got a family of two or three kids. Of course. And you're yeah, you the going to get yeah. it cheaper from the supermarket. I, you know, I, I would never, ever be upset if someone turned around to me and said, I love having what you do and I love the glass bottles and I'm trying to do my bit, but I just genuinely can't afford it. Of course you're going to go, you know, you've got to, you've got to do right by your world with the best intention. Sometimes that's not, you know, you'd love to do the right thing, but the finances don't allow you to. Mm. And, And that's fine. You know, of course it's fine. I think, you know, we've got to come out of this with a lot of people reassessing what's important in life. I hope um, so. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I, I think so. so. I think a lot. You're always going to get the people who are going to go back to the to yeah. to what they did. But I live. We're, we're a couple of miles away from Cardiff Airport, Rings Airport. You know, just not having the flights out. Having uh, we're right on the coast, so you know you get the you get like a smog coming from Newport, Cardiff, Bristol, coming down the channel. That disappeared in it. You know. Uh, 
you kind of looked at stuff around you a little bit more. I've seen more of Wales mm. this year than I originally yeah. planned to, and it's a beautiful place to be um, when it's not raining. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you know. To, yeah, uh, 1982, people, I remember that year very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a year it didn't, didn't rain. Yeah, well, there was the day it didn't rain in 1982. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think, I think, yeah, hopefully people will kind of just just look at their lives a little bit more and, and think what's more in, what's in, in, important uh, mm. and you know whether the right right thing is is yeah just head down the right path a little bit after mm. COVID and, and think a little bit more maybe you know we're yeah, lucky definitely. as overlanders so I think we head that path anyway we we tread that path but um, yeah I think you know, I think we uh, we perhaps are a bit more. Uh, what's the word? Is introspective the right word? Don't know if that's the right word. We think about things maybe a little bit more or in a different way, I think, maybe because of yeah. the situations you find yourselves in and the fact that you, you you found yourself in need of strangers' help and had to rely on strangers' help. I, uh, that's yeah, yeah. that's been a that's had a big impact on me personally, anyway, for sure. In that mm. you know, you I think just realizing re- realizing it's okay to ask for help and realizing that you know I'm I'm a big I'm a big advocate of paying it forward you know now so that as you said earlier in this it made me smile when you said it and that I'll 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 do a nice thing because I think it's the right thing to do I don't expect a reward for it you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. It, as you said yeah. promoting promoting a friend's business or or even if you don't know them a business that you've seen that thinks that's a that's a good service that they've done I'm totally up for promoting that whether I get anything yeah. back from it or not you know you just do the right yeah, thing don't. don't you yeah I just yeah if people are good yeah it'll come back to you eventually it's, it's, it's a yeah. good it's a good thing you know it's just let let and it is I, i'm a big believer in what goes around comes around and if you know, 100%. It's, just, it's a thing which stuck with me on my journey all the time is just be true and honest Aye. i'm not i didn't i had no idea that my world would change after that journey i set up a facebook page which was really just to keep in touch with friends and family mm-hmm. and that went a bit bonkers and then got asked to do stuff and i had no none of it was intentional at all i didn't i just mm-hmm. took my bike on holiday to a place i'd always wanted to go that that's the bottom line i love riding my boner bike and i really wanted to go there and see some stuff i'd not seen before and meet some people i'd not met before and it's just if people just be honest just be honest yeah. it doesn't have to be a it doesn't have to be an angle just just live the best life you can live absolutely i'm into that Right, next Red one. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Red wine's kicking in. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dreamboat Benji. Uh, proof you don't need a Pan America to take a Harley on adventures. It's very true. Oh, the new Pan America. What are you thinking? The new Harley Pan Hoover. America. Hoover. It looks like a 1960s Hoover. <laughs> but I'm... I like old shit. I mean, I know I bought Triumph, but I like old shit. And um, yeah. uh, I think I think it would probably be quite a good motorbike because they have to make it good. They Definitely. have to because they're branching into something. And again, sort of get the get the nonsense out of the way. It looks hideous. There's no question. It oh, looks hideous. Yeah. I but do I, not like the I, looks. No, no. Um, but I think. 
you know, in today's world, if they're going to survive, they've, they've gone, they've, they've got to do that market, and they've mm. probably made quite a good motorbike for it. I mean, weight like wise, it. yeah, weight wise, it's not going to be that different. I mean, all the big adventure bikes, it's a it's a moot point in it, and we've both trodden our paths you know is there a perfect adventure bike of course there isn't if you like riding i don't like small bikes i'd love to like small bikes but i get on them and they just feel there's no i know they would make perfect sense if i was doing you know dakar or tet or you know that kind of thing it's not the ride i do i've done many many miles off road but a motorbike intrinsically is quite good at going anywhere. I've proved that. I've done, you know, what I've done on mine. I've done Sani Pass and I've done Namibian Desert and stuff. You've done, you know, obviously your crazy, crazy adventure. You don't any bike will go anywhere. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Any, pigeon any bike will go anywhere. Not- yeah. yeah, it's a motorbike. It has, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've got a Unimog now, and I know I'll go places on the bike that I'd never go on the Unimog, even though it's probably one of the world's best sort of off-road vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. So motorbikes are quite good at off-road. Know your limitations. But I think with the Harley in particular, they're going to sell shitloads of them to Harley riders who kind of want to buy a motorbike, which maybe, you know, will do a little bit more. Um I think the proof is, and I'm not a label person. I don't own, other than the motorbike, and there's hardly any badges on that, and I've owned many Harleys, and most of them never had a badge on them. The only reason the pan's got it is because there's some old stuff on there where it's written Mm. on it, and I really don't want to remove it. I don't like labels. Um, I like that motorbike. It's my motorbike, and I like it. I like my Triumph, and I like my BMW. It doesn't, I'm not, it doesn't have to have a label. If you like it, you like it. Um, and I think the, the, the Pan America is going to have a shitload of, of, of detractors, but just get on it and ride it. And I think yeah. that's the thing is just ignore, just ignore everything, you know, ride it if you like and it. And ride it and see if it's for you. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully yeah, yeah. getting a shorter and, and, one quite soon and I, I can't wait to try ooh. it out. Just, just see what it's going to be like. Just don't look genuinely looking forward it. to it. Yeah, but just I mean, on it and ride it. Don't look at it. There are plenty of bikes that I've seen the press pictures of and thought, oh, oh, I don't like that. But when I see it in the flesh, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. wow, yeah. that does it. I just did the Hayabusa. Didn't like the pictures of that. I've never liked the looks of Hayabusas. Didn't like the pictures yeah, yeah, of the new one. And when I saw that, when I saw the new one in the flesh, I was like. Oh, I like this. This just looks like a big jigsaw. This looks, this looks yeah, good. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. And um, the GS is another one. Hated, absolutely hated the looks of GSs. And then somehow, I don't know when it happened, something happened and I went, I like this now. This, oh, I quite so, like the look of it. It just, there's a reason they sell shitloads of them. And you know, some of those sales are because of what it is and the label yeah, yeah. and et cetera. But they also show sell shitloads because they're bloody good at what they do. I, I was Absolutely. very kindly given um, a, 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 one of the twelve hundred liquid calls. One of the first liquid calls. I went out back out to South Africa. Was invited back to a presentation, and I was given one of those for a, a couple of weeks. 
and we went off. It was the first time Maria had done any distance on a motorbike on the back. Yeah. We left. Uh, we were just south of Joburg. We were in the. It was at the Horizons meet. Cobis um, uh, Furiu organizes uh, that. Sort of asked me back, do a presentation. We'll sort you out on a motorbike, and a load of us went off. Then six of us went off. Grant and Susan from Horizons, mm-hmm. um, Australian couple, um, Paul and Jan, Kev Davis. A few of us went off for a week after the event and they, they said, well, don't, you know, I know you're not bringing a bike. We'll give you this. So removed from what I know. And bloody hell, we did 600 kilometres from Joburg over to Nelspray in the rain on the motorway. Maria's first time pretty much on the back. <laughs> it was fantastic. I had open face helmet as I always run. Yeah. Just, you know, all good. Got to Nelspray, then we spent a week there just doing ride outs down scratching the only thing i didn't do was take it on the dirt because it wasn't mine mm. and and um you know it just wasn't the right bike to do it on two up but scratching motorway beautiful a it just worked brilliantly does it you know, doesn't it, it yeah they're just very good at what they do i like stuff which is a bit different so the thought of pulling up somewhere, and it's not a I mean, it might be vanity, I don't know, but I just like different stuff. Um, yeah. so you know, to pull up on Stelvio and see another hundred of them exactly the same <laughs> would horrify me. Um uh, and I like a bit of a challenge, and I, I didn't set out to do a challenge, but I've realized that's kind of my world. I like people saying exactly as you said earlier, you know, you can't do that. Oh yeah, I yeah. can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I like I like that side of it. But as a motorbike, oh, they're fantastic. And I'm sure, mm. you know, we all read the write-ups. I, as I used to do a bit with um, sports cars years ago, and you'd read write-ups and stuff. Um, I used to do a bit of instruction on track days and whatnot. Um, and you'd read the write-ups and you go, they're, they're, you know, they've, they've all got so good. You're, you're, you're talking nth degree of, of true difference 99 percent of people are never gonna get no. to that nth degree so it's just I, you know just i go. get i get um criticism is probably the wrong word i get a little bit of feedback on on some of my reviews and people go you always give great reviews as in not as in the reviews are great but as in you, you say how good the bike is and they said can you can you not do a negative review one time and I, my answer to that is there's not really any shit bikes out there. Do you know, like most bikes now, as you said, it's tiny little details or a personal, it'll be a personal thing. Some person might love this of the bike or the way it handles when it does this or the fueling or the throttle response or, you know, the torque. Some people might love that. Other people, no, that's not what they like from riding. So I always say, all I can give you is how... I call, I, talk, I, I call it the the dangly tickle factor. That's what I talk about. Like, does it tickle my nuts or not? Do you know what I mean? I've sent you a challenge then, Bruce. Go I'll, on. I'll, I'll come down when, next time you're around, around this neck of the woods. Yeah. Take the pan out for an hour. Right, you're on. I'd love to. Genuinely, I would love to. Honestly, God, I'd take love the, to do that. Take the pan out and uh, and then do a review on that just just for a laugh because right, you're on. That would, be, that would be quite funny to someone who's kind of obviously ridden a, a, a huge varying degree of stuff. I mean, I've watched your Goldwing reports. You know, I didn't oh, realise you were that old, Bruce. But you know, you, oh. you're getting there. But 
Part of me is disgusted at myself that I loved. I still literally almost dream about that bike. It it grabs hold of you. It is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. In in yeah. a way that I'm just like I'm I'm sort of confused myself because I'm like yeah, it's yeah. an old man's bike. It's um it is a it is a an oil tanker of a bike. That that mm. is everything that I think biking shouldn't be, and I yeah. absolutely loved it. Loved it. Amazing it, it put a grin on your face. It put oh, a yeah. grin on your face. And yeah. is that not what motorbikes are for? It made no sense at all, apart yeah. from giving you a flipping shade and grin. Mm. <laughs> so, that is it. so yeah, I can see you on a. I can see you know. I can see you at the you know on a wingding sooner rather than later. <laughs> not not at thirty two grand. You can't. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> is that not a cost? That's that one. <sighs> the Goldwing Two or brand new is is 32 grand, just under 32 grand for the top. Yeah, I've, I've never looked, because I've always liked my old stuff, I've never looked at prices of modern bikes other than mm. I've wanted the Scrambler for a long time before they released it. When they were giving little snippets out, I was kind of keen. And, um, yeah, first time I've been in a dealership for a long time properly looking I'm just seeing, I mean, the price of the Rocket 3s, which I love. They're bonkers. Yeah. When I'm old enough, awesome. I'll buy a Rocket 3 if I've got any Amazing money left. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact right. that it is just, yeah, just bonk. I mean, is it Mark Holmes went around the world on a Rocket 3. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy. So you can do it on anything. You can do it Ooh, on anything. Oh, he'd be another good guest, wouldn't he? He'd be another good oh, guest on here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice one. Here we are. Yeah, I'll have to remember <laughs> Thanks for that. Dreamboat Benji, Dreamboat Benji, he's got another question, actually. So did you encounter, as in did Gareth encounter, many issues with a panhead that the latest crop of adventure bikes offer, like traction control for differing terrain, ground clearance, luggage carrying abilities, etc. So how did you find the pan, the pan, in terms of all that, I think that's what he's asking. Like, did you think, oh, I, I could do attraction control? I wish I had more ground clearance. I wish I had uh, more luggage carrying capabilities, all that sort of stuff. Was there anything that raised its head? Um, ground clearance was always going to be a problem. I know you put a couple of photos up of me buried yeah. in the mud. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that took me hours to get that out, literally. I mean, yeah. for anyone who's done um, sort of red dirt in Africa, that that is just like glue. Um, grand clearance was always going to be an issue. It is what it is. You know, I, 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 the bike, but uh, it was quite interesting sort of, you know, a year and a half later doing a lot of the same journey on a Tiger 800 with TKCs on it, TKC 80s. Um I didn't want for anything. The the pan was, I had a couple of small issues. I had a, an issue early on uh, in the first week. Um, I'd ridden that bike. I've done about 120,000 miles on that bike. And I wouldn't have taken it if I didn't think it could do it. Um, a very quick story. Before I took it to Africa, me and my mate Crow, who I couldn't have done the journey without because he helps me build the bike, um, is a mechanical genius, um, rides like a demon, rides a very similar bike. Me and I, I was going on my own to Morocco destruction testing. And so in the April, I was leaving in the November, I took the pan to Morocco uh, for a couple of weeks to see if it would cope in the heat. Kickstart only, whether I'd cope in the heat, 
kicking that bike over, whether it run on village fuel, um, how it would cope. I've done a, a bit of off-road stuff, but nothing. You know, I wanted to get to Africa to do it. Um, so would it cope? And I was a couple of weeks before I left, uh, my mate who doesn't like people uh, particularly, um, doesn't like the heat, um, decided that he needed to get out of his comfort zone. He said, you're not going on your own. I'm coming with you. Well, who better to take with you than the guy who was a mechanical genius um, with the same motorbike, basically. Um, we 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 took it off-road all across the uh, – down to Wazazat in, in Morocco and, and went out into the desert, um, awesome. did shitloads of stuff, and the thing was brilliant. We purposely ran out of fuel, ran – uh, village fuel and we were in a um overlanders campsite outside marrakesh in a place called club relay uh there where i've been uh, back in 2009 on a trip coming back from gambia so i knew a little bit about the place locked up there uh it's one of the few places you can get beer so we were quite happy in our world drinking beer there i had a little wander around the campsite there's lots of uh, sort of overlanders there but mainly in a lot of german and french land rovers yeah. toyotas and yeah. there was one motorbike there and it was a british guy on a gs800 really nice guy he said he'd been down to morocco for he was going down for about six weeks um and he'd been down for a couple of weeks and was heading home because he'd had so much trouble with fuel it was oh, right. just the, the shit the fuel was bunging up his filters and he was on his own and he wanted to do off-road and he couldn't do it because he was worried it was going down to um, uh, quarter speed, you know, on limp home mode. And he just yeah. went, oh, it's just a rent. And, you know, how are you guys struggling? I said, well, I drained my carb twice, which it takes me about three seconds. Um, the carb's like a drain pipe anyway. So any shit which goes through it comes out the exhaust, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, and, and it, you know, we didn't have any issues. And the fact that I came back from that trip and went, yes, I can take the pan. Um, yeah. It worked. Um, so, yeah, traction control is that. <laughs> You know, I'm getting used to traction control on the on the Triumph, but actually, I'm, most of the time I use it with everything turned off because that's what I'm used yep. to. Um, <laughs> ground, ground clearance is ground clearance, you know. But yeah. I did Sony Pass, and for those who don't know, Sony Pass is like an off-road version of Stelvio for Europeans. Um, it's quite a famous place. I think Itchy Boots has just done Sony Pass uh, on a CRF two fifty, and just went. It's just the hardest thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I did it on the pan. I think you put some photos. The photo yeah, you put up got... of me with the BM and the KTM six nine six forty adventure. That's on Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So that was on Sony. Um, so, you know, that's off-road mecca for most adventure riders in, in South Africa. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, I know my limitations. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be Dougie Lampkin doing trials riding, <laughs> but it'll go where it'll go. I mean, I had some challenging days, as I'm sure you did on the Jigsaw, but mm-hmm. it's still... But that's what makes the trip, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for um, that question. Yes. You don't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, the unicorn and the monster. Does do you have an Instagram? Well, no, you don't. You need to get on Instagram. Get Maria to get okay. you sorted on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you I can link think- you can link your Instagram to your Facebook, but Facebook doesn't post to Instagram, I don't think. I think you have to post on Instagram and it will automatically post to your Facebook. That's the problem. 
Okay. I, I, I'm just not very good. I mean, for anyone who's looked on plan without a plan, I'm not doing anything. So mm. I'm just, excuse me, I'm not very good at social media because I, I still, I'm kind of old and I don't, I, you know, it's lovely and it's lovely to share. And Facebook was brilliant on the road. I'm solo travel. But I felt that people were urging me on and, you know, you were never lonely because there was yeah. a Facebook page and Absolutely. I never envisaged doing what I did on Facebook. But I'm just not very good because, I, I don't know, I don't chase, and I don't I don't mean this in a derogatory term at all, but I, I think the fruit adventure in particular made me realise that I don't, I'm not chasing sponsorship, I'm not... Mm. I just want to live. I just want to do what I want to do. And if people like no, it, and I'd love to inspire people, I think that's the thing I'd really like to do. So I suppose I should do something if I can inspire people to do stuff. But I don't, I don't know, I'm just not very good at it. I, when I want to do it, it's fantastic. And I'll, I'll put stuff up, but sometimes it becomes a kind of chain around your neck where you feel oh, you're obliged. I told, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can totally sympathise yeah. with that. It, I find myself sometimes now thinking, oh, I've not, I've not posted anything on, on like yeah, Facebook yeah. or or um, Instagram in a in a couple of days, and I'm like, oh, I should post something, but then I just think, well, I'll just be posting for the sake of it, you know. I just so, mm-hmm. and I used to do that. I used to just think of something, or right, I'll just post, I'll post this up, but and now I just think, do you know what? I'm not going to post anything unless unless there's worth to it, you know. It's it's it's, it's doing something yeah. then then I'll post that. But if it's not, you know, I just I, I, I get, I mean, I, I think I should. And I think, oh, I've got to do more. And I got, you know, I, I, I'm very lucky that I don't, I don't need it to try and do what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously you've chosen, chosen your path where you're making, making a living out of it. And I know you work bloody hard <laughs> at it. And it's <laughs> not, not quite. It's but... not, yeah. It's not a, it's not an easy path, and I know it's not an easy path. And as I say, I think the fruit adventure in particular, where we were, it was sponsorship and media driven, and and you know it was brilliant. And I'm I'm very proud of what we did. But I also it taught me a valuable lesson: is it's not a world I I feel I want to try and make money out of. If you see what I mean, I don't want to monetize it because for me it was it's just the it's it's the joy of doing what I do. I don't want to taint it. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that, you know, it, it works for some people. For me, uh, you know, when I've got something to say and when I, you know, if I go off on the pan, I'm hoping to go off on the pan this year somewhere, then I'll, I'll do stuff. But I'm not just going to put stuff up because you know i've gone i've gone down to the beach today on the bike i have done that a couple of times just to get and you know people went oh you're still alive you know mm-hmm. as well sorry i'm not i'm not your bitch <laughs> you yeah. know? No, i totally get you i get you yeah yeah, yeah I, you know totally I, i'd love to share stuff and, and if people are interested you know i'm more than happy as you well know i'm more than happy to chat about it i'll do presentations i'll i'll do stuff but i'm not very proactive I'm really sorry for anyone who wants more RME, but I am not proactive. Um, uh, there will be a time maybe when I am, when I've got something better to say, but obviously this year has been, you know, I mean, I feel sorry for, you know, people who are trying to make a living out of the overland world. I mean, yourself, you know, Alex, yeah. we've talked about um, Kevin and Julia at Globusters and, you know, anyone who's trying to make a living out of movement, Kathy and Spencer, you know, it's just, it's, it's, what can you talk about? But it's also, 
it's it, it's also amazing on like when when your income relies on trips on tours on speaking at events on all this sort of stuff when, when that is your income the basis of your income yeah when that all stops it, it, it is a proper oh shit moment you know and it's not obviously it's not just overland travelers that are in the sport there's millions of people out there in the world that have that have faced are facing this right as we speak and but i've found it i found it quite uh heartening on how you can resolve and you can figure a way through and you know you can tighten your belt and you know, I'm lucky yeah. that I've, I can still cover my mortgage and I can still keep a roof over my head and keep the power on and keep, you know, obviously keep fed. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? But it was, it's like okay, we've survived that, we've got through. So mm-hmm. you've got to take what you can from it, can't you? Yeah, I think you know that's the one thing travel teaches you is is mm. you kind of need to be quite adaptable. Um, yeah. to a situation I always think of of you know the, the 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 long way round long way down scenario where you know there's probably an evenish split of well well you know it's all right for them because they're who they are and and their budget and then the other people who love it and it's transformed their world and you just say I always think with with overland and in particular it's just you know a lot of the time you're just trying to find the best solution to a situation you've been put in. Absolutely. You know, you're traveling around the world or, you know, in Europe or whatever, you just, something happens and you need to find a solution. I mean, I've run it's a problem solving. Many years that. Yeah. yeah, problem solving. You need a solution. And with Charlie and you, and they just had better solutions than most of us and good <laughs> luck to them. But I think, you know, with the COVID situation, by the nature, I mean, you look at what Nathan's done, Nathan Millwood has mm. done, of mm-hmm. how he's adapted you know, into an environment, you know, we've been put in, uh, I'm I'm fortunate. I mean, I sold my house to be able to retire. So, you know, Mm -hmm. lucky Maria hasn't thrown me out yet. Um, (laughs) So, uh, so, so, you know, I, I, I I don't, I don't need, you know, probably should do something and, you know, to, to make a little bit of money at some stage, but I'm okay at the moment. Um, mm. You know, I'm not complaining. I figured I'm not going to live forever. So, you know, a little bit of pension I have got will pay a little bit. And, you know, mm. maybe when I'm 80 and I'm really ill, I'm going to be in a home and, you know, I think, shit, I should have saved some of that and gone in a better home. But, um, you know, I'm a bit older than, than, than you guys. But I think, yeah, adapting to this current current sort of life that we have to live i think we're we're probably better equipped maybe mm. than 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 people who have who've only ever done a nine to five and don't have to think outside the box yeah by the nature I think, of what yeah self-employed people have probably adapted better i would have thought I, I would have thought they've they've adapted better to those who perhaps just work the corporate nine to five I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I've I've never been in a job like that. You know, I was always. Yeah. I suppose I was very fortunate. Uh, fortunate in the old bill, in that although it's a fairly unique job and it's shift work, you, you you're guaranteed. You know, the wheel would properly have to come off for there not to be a paycheck in that bank every month. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and, yeah. and obviously, yeah. to step from that security to the self-employed world, and then. Yeah. It's been a massive opener, but but everyone, you know, every self-employed person is going to be in the same boat. And everyone that that wakes up to find out that the job they thought 
they had has gone. Everyone's in the same boat, aren't they? And as you said, oh, I feel adapt. I feel, oh god, yeah. I mean, you know, we we we're lucky, you know, from a business point of view that. Uh, you know, we were the right people at this time. But as I say, you look at people in the in the travel industry or the hospitality industry, yeah. flipping yeah. heck. You know, the fact that yeah. you know the adapt they've adapted, but then been knocked on the head. You mm-hmm. know, had them uh, or kicked out from them. You know, adapt again, do it again. I feel for, feel feel for that. I as I say, I'm mm-hmm. I'm sort of fortunate that um, you know we we've done okay really. But um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a tough one. But I, just to ask you a question, Bruce. Obviously, you're what are you now? A year or so into this? Yeah, doing... um, just over a year, year and year and a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happier, happier in I've, yourself. I, I mean, yeah, maybe not financially, massively. but mm. yeah. So, so there's there's. There's different stress, you know, money is, yes. is an ever-present worry and an ever-present yeah. stress that perhaps it wasn't to the same degree before. But in myself, yeah. I am much happier, much happier now than I was before. I'm freer than I've ever been. I I, I, I properly feel sort of in charge of what I'm going to do now. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It'll yeah, be yeah, over. yeah, absolutely. If, if if this all ends, the the whole the whole doing YouTube and everything, if that all ends as a full, it'll never end completely. But if it ends as a full time occupation, it will be my choice to do it. It'll be at that stage where I go, yeah, yeah, okay. That's I need to, I need to get a proper job now to to make ends meet. So, but we're not we're not at that stage, thankfully, at the moment. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I'm hoping that now we've got through the whole COVID. I, it can only improve now, you know. There's, there's already companies yeah. are starting to inquire about doing some sponsored videos, some sponsored work, um, you know, doing a little bit of work together. So that can only help progress my own business, and we'll see what happens. We'll yeah. see. And my tours will come back. Good, can... You've built a good um, base to it, though, haven't you? Definitely. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's you know, as I know we've spoke spoke before about it. About you know, it, it's very easy from people on the outside. Outside going, well, that looks that looks fun. That's easy, and yeah, I know I know full well that you know yeah. you, you do work, you work, you know it's a challenging thing, as and insecurities and etc. I mean, you know the, the shackles for me taking. I always felt I've loved doing what I've done. I'm very proud of of the business, but the day I walked away, and also the day I sold my house, mm. it's just there was a there was a. You know, as they're fortunate that I'm not homeless yet. We, we get on quite well. Um, but uh, she keeps me drunk most of the time. Or she, <laughs> you know, no, no. <laughs> but it, no, no, just just releasing some shackles is sometimes it's a, it's not all about the money side and, no. and, and the, the, um, you know, sometimes you've got to think for yourself and just go, my head will be in a lot better place by just, just doing doing something different yeah i think you know i think if you're the type of person to 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 go it alone if you're the type of person to go and make a business of of whatever it is that you do if you're going to be self-employed i would think that if you survive certainly that first year you you have that mentality that okay i'll adapt i'll improvise i'll overcome and if and if i have to get you know if I have to diversify and do something else or something on the side to make 
the shortage up, then you do it, don't you? You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. You've, you've got yeah. to, you you will make it happen. If it's you, an, an overland trip, I would say yeah. 99% of the people out there who dream of doing this trip won't do it. And the reason they won't do it is because they give up. They don't see it through. Yeah, and they don't commit. Exactly. I think, I think everyone's capable of, of, of getting to the start line if you push yourself. And then it's just a matter of go through the start line and go. And then yeah. I think once those of us that have done it realize you're just riding a bike. And as you said, you're just problem solving. It's all you're doing every day is just dealing with whatever comes up. It's, that's all it is. I, I felt quite guilty because, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done a lot of travel before, but all Europe-based. And I just I just had this thing that it was just going to be hard. And, and yeah. I, had a, I had a riot. I had a riot. And I had very little hassle. Like, I still can't believe I had almost – I was away for six months – uh, pretty much every day, I had a beer. Pretty much every day, and I had a full English breakfast. Pretty much every Did you? day. <laughs> Weirdly, that it's really popular in Southern Africa, and it's really easy to get. And I just went, you know, some wow. of the borders are more challenging, but once you've done a couple, you they're yeah. all the same. It's just, yeah. it's just dealing with that particular day. But actually, it was not. And I don't want to demean it because it was, you know, it was a great adventure, but it then. It's it is just get on your bike in the morning and ride it, and it, oh. it, there's nothing better in the world to do. <laughs> I miss that freedom. I do miss that freedom. You yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah. You know, that was why I, I yeah I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to you know it'd be interesting to, to compare it with life in a in a in a truck. Mm. Uh, that's going to have a lot different challenges, and I know I'm going to miss the motorbike side of it because you know I've not been without a bike for a long, long time. Might put a bike on the back, but that's that's another whole different chapter. Um, but yeah, the freedom of doing, just getting up in the morning and going full English. Great. And, and, and you know, while bike and then having a beer at the end of it. I can't think of a better way to live, frankly. Beautiful. Sounds perfect to me. What do I say? Yeah, um, yeah. How are you for time, mate? Are you okay for time? Uh, uh, yeah. No, we're, I'm all we're, good. Yeah. We're two you know, hours we into this. Through, you know, to um, um, yeah. Right, whilst we have a quick natural break, folks, another big shout out to the rest of our sponsors who are the Influencer Store. The, Influ the Influencer Store helps you build your brand, big or small, providing you with a solution and apparel. We help you to increase your fan base while supporting you with starting your own influencer clothing line with nothing more than just an idea or design and there are no hidden costs. For more info, come and check us out at theinfluencerstore.co.uk or drop us an email at online at influencerstore.co.uk for more information. Now, the Influencer Store handle all my merch for Teapot One. So if you head to my website, teapot1.com, head to the shop, everything there is handled by the Influencer Store. Make sure you check them out and tell them you came from Brewtime. Lastly, a massive shout out to Enov. Now, Enov sponsored the main Teapot One YouTube channel as well as the podcast. They are synonymous with motorcycle dash cams. They're pretty much the industry leaders now. They do everything from the single C5 system right through to the modern 4K dual camera K series. The K5 is their flagship 4K model. They've got the K2 and the K3. The K3 has the remote and external mic, which the K5 has, but it's only a 1080 resolution system. For me, 
It's got to be the K5 all day long, but head to inov.co.uk, that's I-N-N-O-V-B.co.uk forward slash TP1 and check out their product range there to see which one best fits you. If you've got any questions at all, either drop Inov a line or drop me a line, info at teapot1 or through any of my social media, and I'll do my best to answer. If you ever get involved in any kind of accident, folks, the first thing they'll ask is, is there any CCTV? And if you've got one of these systems fitted to your bike, then you can answer yes. It's an absolute lifesaver when there's any contention around who's responsible for any kind of accident. If it's there and it's covered by these cameras, which undoubtedly will be if it's forward and rear, happy days, you've got it all there. So head to inov.co.uk. A huge thank you to all of the podcast sponsors. You really are helping to make this happen. And all of you over on Patreon who also help to support the podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, folks, drop me a line, info at teapot1.com or through any of the social media, and I'll take it from there. Right, let's crack on with the rest of episode 55 with Gareth Jones. Right. Maria just said... Eat, eat a slice of pizza and stop swearing. I always get from my missus, like she'll just send, she'll just send texts going, stop shouting. She's downstairs. And she, she can still hear me. <laughs> oh, I did. Um, I don't know if you heard the, um, I did an interview with Adventure Rider Radio a couple of weeks back. Right. I didn't hear and, it. No, um, no, Oh, I'm really, I'm really pleased with it. Actually, it was you know you, you listen back to some stuff, or I've seen videos of presentations, and you kind of go, "Oh, not you know should I have said that?" Should have? much the same as yourself. I thought it'd be it edited down to an hour. We did about two hours chatting, and Jim Martin. I don't know if you had anything to do with him at all. He's a lovely no, no. guy, Canadian guy. Yeah, he's really really nice guy. Good interviewer as well. And um, but we were setting it up, and and he said it's the first time Maria obviously is doing it. We bought the microphone, did that, and in the end, I had the microphone on my lapel, and mm. he's doing all the sounds and stuff, and he's going no. And we were just um, audio, no no video, and mm. it, it ended up. He said we've never had an interview before where we put the microphone across the room, literally across the room. I was sitting in this chair. I had to get out the chair because I move a lot because I'm, you know. So And he said, you're in a leather chair, aren't you? It's squeaking all the time. Oh, no. So in the end, I'm sitting on the floor with a microphone across the room. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was hilarious. So, yeah, I get a bit shouty, as you well know. <laughs> get a bit shouty. Brilliant. Right, we better crack on with these questions, man. There's, yes, there's yeah, still yeah, loads yeah. to go. Uh, next oh, one, the Spectre okay. 223. If someone offered the money to cover costs right now, would you drop everything and do it again? Yep. Without <laughs> a doubt. It's a, it's a dark question. Without a doubt. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I used, I, 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 so go on. Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I, the last time I left South Africa in 2018, I think, the last time I was there, and I've been itching to go back ever since. It yeah. just drags you in all the time. So, yeah, I'd go I'd go like a shot, and I'm free to do it now, whereas before it was always work or commitments or mortgage and everything. Now, if someone said, go, I'd, I'd be gone straight away, like a shot. Watch this space. Watch this space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yourself? 
I I used to say mm, no because I've I've done it. You know, it was it was a dream. I lived it. I did it, and and time to move on. But I don't know. I think I think maybe because of COVID and having the whole lockdown, I've I've got proper wanderlust. Wonder, excuse me. I've got proper wanderlust again, and um, I don't know. I just feel like. I feel like I need something. I need some something to focus on, some challenge again. Maybe that might be why the whole Atlantic Grow thing yeah. cropped up on my horizon because I was like, oh, that's another thing to focus on, another challenge. But then, yeah, you know, part of me thinks, you know, I just need to grow up and I need to focus on getting the house sorted and you know, getting the garden <laughs> sorted, and build the business. And- <laughs> you know, one of the things for me is I definitely have lost momentum. Definitely, um, with the COVID. I mean, it, I, I, I kind of, I'd been planning to retire for three years. I gave my brother three years' notice that I was going to leave, sold the house, everything was set for us to go in the mog. But I mean, Maria's lucky with her works. So Again, they were years sabbatical with an option at the end to to leave if needs be, mm. depending on where life takes us. Um, so we were all set for that, and obviously, all that got put on hold, and it's just. The momentum is I'm still itching to go, and I know it, it it will only take you know a hundred or so miles of on the road, and then I'll be like, yeah, we're we're good, we're 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 doing what we should be doing. But I definitely have left of of lost some momentum with it all, um, mm. which is sort of a little bit worrying. But um, Maria's going to be working certainly for the rest of this year. So, you know, we've already said, look, I'm, you know, I, I've retired, I'm ready to go. My idea was at some stage I'll head off to Europe for a couple of months and on the bike because I can still do bike stuff without her because there's only one seat. And then, you know, the mog will be there when we get back. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm hoping that some stage I'm going to be back on the road at some stage soon, whether more than likely on the pan possibly on the triumph just because I'm loving it. But um, who knows? Who knows? I think, I think, Scotland. I think everyone's going to Scotland. Everyone is going to Scotland That's by the, the sounds of it. Everyone's I, going. I've only, crossed, I've only crossed the border once. I always went south. I never, ever went north. Seriously? So I've only crossed the border. Yeah, back in the 80s, I used to chase the Lombard Valley, as was in those mm-hmm. days, the World Valley Championship. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and we crossed over into the into Scotland oh, back in early 80s, something like that. And it's the only time I've ever been. And I just keep going, I've got to get wow. there at some stage. But I only ever had two weeks off at a time. And I just, well, I'm going, I'm going to France or Spain or Portugal or Switzerland, whatever, um, because it's different. And, you know, much as Scotland's lovely, I'm sure, um, it's, still, it's still UK. And I always headed south because I didn't have weekends or the odd week it was only a fortnight you know a couple of times a year so yeah, I'd yeah. always head off head off south so do it man but I do it it's yeah. it's a beautiful place I, I'm biased because obviously I'm from the best country in the world but um, it 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 is stunning. I go back and I'm just like, oh god, I forgot how beautiful. Well, I mean, Wales is gorgeous. Wales is beautiful, but then Scotland's just that extra bit bigger. You know, when you when you see the scenery, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just bigger. But then you go places like Canada. <laughs> you're yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. British Columbia, and you're just like, oh my god, this is Scotland on steroids. Look at it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Well, I went. I- 
I used to do a bit of skiing. I did skiing up in Finland, and same thing. I keep thinking, oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see the wide open spaces of Canada. And then you go, but we got the same up in Scandinavia, which I know you're headed yeah. to sooner rather than later. But um, I can't wait. Uh, and you think, well, that's kind of easier. So, yeah, I still, get, I'll, I'll, yeah. I still think Norway is probably one of the most stunningly beautiful countries on the planet. I, I just, mm. just the rugged. The rugged, pure, like power of nature that you see there with the fjords and uh, you know, just just yeah, when yeah. you look at the place and you think how that was formed, you're just like this yeah, is yeah. staggering. And places like the Grand yeah. Canyon, you know, when you go and see that in person, you know, in the states, yeah. just it's just it yeah. blows your mind to think how that was created. I, I was <laughs> I was genuinely emotional. I, I wasn't on the bike; I was on a road trip out there, but not. Um, I was genuinely emotional when I thought, saw the, uh, and I'm, I'm, Maria will say I've got a heart of stone. I am just, I, I might as well say it, say in my fridge in work most of the time. Um, but uh, but I, I was genuinely emotional when I saw the Grand Canyon. Um, it's weird, uh, isn't and, it? And, oh, just, just overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Same as Fish River Canyon in Namibia is just, same thing, just nature, just sometimes you just words, Words just aren't enough, are they? Yeah, Pic- pictures don't do it justice, do they? Like you see, you see. For me, I'd seen the can- the Grand Canyon on the TV and in pictures, and you think, "Wow, that looks amazing! That looks beautiful! I need to go and see that." Yeah. Then you you get there and see it in the flesh, and and for me, it was just yeah, yeah. It was even more awe inspiring to see it in the flesh than yeah, yeah. Normally, when you see yeah. something in a picture, it's been it's been tweaked, doesn't it? It's been photoshopped here yeah, and there, yeah. and the lighting's done. You think, oh, that's beautiful. It's never going to look like that in the flesh. And then you get there and see it. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think that one of the sort of sort of sad things with today's world is, and I, I, I purposely don't research much of any country before I go. Get the basics, but don't research much. Because I don't want to see it on a computer screen before I go. Yeah. I want to see it. First hand, and I think you know, yeah. you look at uh, someone like Ted Simon and Elspeth Beard, and stuff. Just you know, the fact that there wasn't the knowledge. You know, mm. we can we can Google Earth anything today. Absolutely. And it, you know, the magic, it's still there. Of course, it's still there. But it, you know, just just to see stuff without no, I knew nothing about Fish River Canyon the first time I went there. And um, yeah, sorry, I've got to let the cat go a minute. Oh, on the move. Come on. She's still alive, um, and uh, just so yeah, just 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 to see that the first time, much the same as Grand Canyon. I mean, it's I think it's the second biggest canyon in the world, uh, and I, I knew nothing about it. Just locked up there, knew I kind of needed to go there, but ne- I didn't look at anything before I went, and I kind of purposely don't. Probably because I'm just lazy and rubbish on a computer mm-hmm. um, that I don't look at anything before I get there, and and. and you know, you have got that fear of missing out, is the saying, isn't it? Yeah. Fear of missing out. Um, it is a horrible feeling on social media when you've 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 like done a country or you've been to a place and then you post up pictures of it when you're in the next place. You you've moved on. Yeah. And someone goes, Oh, did you go to such and such and see it? And you're like, No. 
didn't know anything about that and you see the pictures and you're like shit yeah, yeah. that looks amazing <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's it's one of those things isn't it it's, or someone said oh you should come and stay and they they live in a you know in the best bar in the world or something yeah. you know you just think oh shit but i, I, I think, I've missed I, it <laughs> yeah I, but i always had this thing i mean I, you know, on my journey i was heading to zanzibar I'd, I'd read about zanzibar since i was about six years old and i have no knowledge of zanzibar or very little but i just thought it was a cool place to head to basically mm. i know it's beautiful and i know where it is and you know i just thought actually that's that's kind of a, that's where i'm gonna aim for otherwise i'll just stay in a pub somewhere um <laughs> so i'm gonna aim there i never got there i, I got within about three days of it and i never got there and um but i always said if i can't get to somewhere it's because i'm having fun somewhere else if i don't make it i don't make it and that and there'll be a reason and i realized if i'd have gone up there it cost me a fortune it'd have been a month of time which i didn't really have and if i'd have got there i couldn't have got to other places yeah. and so i got i got into tanzania and just went actually i i, I probably need to turn back otherwise i'm going to miss zimbabwe and mozambique and and the gold and the gold um uh, the garden route and stuff like that, the Sutu. Um, so yeah, and 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 then it's on the list for the next time, isn't it? I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like that's a, a good enough reason of, of ever there was one for a round two. Yes. Oh, there'll always be a round two. There has awesome. to be. There has to be. <laughs> Right, next one. Robert Newman, 27. Hello, Gareth and Bruce. Hello, Robert. Hope you're both having a great day. Yes, thank you. Question for both. You're out on an adventure and you won't see another human for the next seven days. You don't have any food, but your bike is edible. So you don't starve to death. Which parts of the bike do you eat over the next seven days? Leaving the more important parts so the the bike will get you to civilization. That's an interesting question. So what do you okay. eat on a bike? <laughs> well, having read about Scott of the Antarctic and Shackleton and, and heroes of mine, is they ate their belts. Yeah. Because it's leather. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they ran out of food, so they, they'd eat their shoes or the belts and, and, and the, the harnesses for the dogs and stuff, which was all made of leather. And mm. my motorcycle seat is a leather seat so i'd probably have to eat the seat although it's had my ass on it for quite some time so it's probably not oh. going to be ass on it <laughs> yeah but the, the whole the whole bike is edible you can eat the whole bike it's all edible so which so i think the, the thing is what what things do you regard as not crucial to your journey that's on the bike have you not seen my motorbike there is nothing <laughs> yeah, no. on that motorbike I'm which, looking at a picture of it. Which doesn't now. make it work. There is absolutely uh, that was, yeah, one of the things which I was precious about. Headlight angle grinder. Yeah, <laughs> headlights, spotlights, um, um, number plates. I hate number plates. Yeah, uh, me too. Lack of go. Um, Exhaust. But yeah, my bike is as as minimal as it can possibly be. So the only things on it, and that's uh, if 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 you see any of the photos, so when it's in travel mode, so the photos which are put up where it's in travel mode, that can be reverted back to a motorbike with nothing on it in about five minutes. So all the luggage comes off with two Allen screws. It's on a cantilever on the rear axle, and then it's two Allen screws under the front seat, and the whole of the back luggage comes off. I ran it for years with no mudguards. So um, so I remember being... 
In, well, I remember being in the Pyrenees. Um, I'd gone on a trip on my own and I was riding around the Pyrenees and it was chucking it down. It was much the same as the weather is now. And I was up on Col de Tourmalet and um, I'd rocked up and I got no mud guards. Uh, I got a little bit of luggage on, but not much. So the water's coming off the back wheel over my head and into my face. Mm. Water's coming off the front wheel into my face. And I rocked up there and... Um, uh, there was a bunch of about six 1200 GSAs uh, from Slovenia or Bosnia or something. And they, they, we went into the, uh, they were in the cafe. I walked in and I am, I am just soaking wet. Absolutely <laughs> soaking wet. I wear an open face helmet, so I can't see. My face is covered in mud. Um, and, and the guys went, oh, cool bike, mate. And I just went, flipping neck. I'm in my 40s. You know, I'd have swapped any of them their bikes that day. It was just I've been in the rain all day, and just going, yeah, it may be cool, but I am just an idiot. I'm forty yeah. years old, forty plus years old. You know, for Christ's sake, get a get some mud guards and even a proper helmet. For Christ's sake, this is ridiculous. What are you trying to prove? It did look cool, but it was ridiculous. So. um so yeah, even if you look at the pram uh, on on that trip, there's still very little back mudguard. The the, the, mm. the rack took some of it. Um, so yeah, there's not a lot to eat on my motorbike, which doesn't make it work. The engine. There isn't. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture yeah, of it as you, as you talk. Yeah, there isn't much on that, is there? Uh, good question. That's is, good question. Yeah, if, you look, if you look at it with no luggage or any of the stuff on it, it's. It's, I mean, you know, it's a bobo in the true sense of the word before, you know, now it's a fashionable thing, but I've been riding that for 20 years like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. They, when, I, when I was riding wide angle bars, all my mates were running eight hangers. So, yeah, 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 it was fairly unique. Not unique because it's been done since the 40s. But, um, yeah, yeah, there's not a lot to eat. But the saddle <laughs> would be tasty. <laughs> not after your arse has been on it for six months and a half. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it'll be seasoned yeah um yes. last one yes. of, last one of my insta ones uh dave gilligan 1981 on that seat holy moly his ass must have been like a japanese flag <laughs> not so much a, not so much a question just a statement cheers dave <laughs> uh, well, right okay Over to well, facebook i'll, I'll, I'll run that- with that question because it's a question which got gets asked a lot is you know there's very little padding on see obviously it's a rigid motorbike but it's the one thing i missed when i did london to cape down on a tiger is that seat is the best most comfortable seat in the world the tiger was nowhere near as comfortable seriously because the triumphs are really comfortable yeah it, it, it that seat is I, I remember reading years ago, it's the one thing the American police missed when they went from Harley's over to Kawasaki's mainly, I think, in the, in the days, Ed Vows and whatnot, is they said, we missed the tractor seat. The tractor seat is just a really comfortable thing. Um, mm. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not an idiot. Honestly, I'm not an idiot. I wouldn't have ridden it. I couldn't have done I think the, the longest day I did was about 650 kilometres. Longest day I've ridden on the bike. I rode from um, not far from Geneva in Switzerland, all on B roads again, down to um, oh, halfway down to Dubrovnik. 
Um, that was about 14 hours in the saddle other than filling up the fuel. And the one thing I never get is uncomfortable, ever. You know, I can ache. I mean, 100 wow. miles on on the Harley is like doing 500 miles on a normal motorbike. Um, but I never get uncomfortable. I mean, I built it for me, but that seat is tremendous. It is absolutely the best. And in fact, I still look at I look at my BM, even the Triumph, and I think, how could I graft a tractor seat on it without looking like an idiot? Because it is brilliant. <laughs> so comfortable. So watch this space. <laughs> I'll have to try one, yeah. Right, I've moved across to yeah. Facebook. So it's Teapot One on Facebook, and there are loads. There's loads of questions here, mate. So I know you've got a couple um, people posted on your own page as well. Yeah. So I think what, what we'll try and do is we'll just go quick fire answers on some of these questions just to get through them, shall we? Because we're already you know, two and a half hours fire. in. Yeah. <laughs> Um, first one. I've seen ah. some of the posts, Yoko and Lee. <laughs> I was going to say, first time. one up is Yoka. I've always called Yoka. I've always called him Jock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you're Scottish, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Yoka. Sorry, Yoka. You must look at me and go, "You never pronounce my name correctly." I'm sorry. I will. I think you're probably on. used to it. <laughs> yeah. First one, Yoka. Yoka, selling. You'll run. To, you'll run into two problems: enough storage space on discs and micro SD cards, and trying to cut it down to less than six hours. Looking forward to this episode. Well, we're two and a half hours into it already, Yoka. <laughs> Spencer Lee, is this going to be your first box set, Bruce? Old Jonesy boy knows how to chat. There's a theme here. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lee's Welsh as well, so he'll know that know. one. Absolutely. He's he's moving soon, isn't he? He's going Canada. He's off to Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's leaving our Beautiful. green and pleasant land. He's good lad. Good lad, Lee. Good lad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Demon rider. Oh, mate, I know. Phenomenal, isn't it? He's one of these people that yeah, makes yeah. it look absolutely effortless, wheeling and yeah. drifting, and you're just like, yeah. oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Anyway, next one, Wayne Kinsey. Who's his favourite, Gavin or Stacey? Well, and for those who know Maria, it has to be Nesta. <laughs> can't believe you're saying that. can't believe you're saying that. She'll kill me. She'll kill Maria's me. Maria's beautiful. She's lovely. She has her best mate lives in Bristol. Who she has two young daughters, and they they think she's they thought she was Nessa before we got the Mog. So um, the fact that now we got a seven and a half ton truck, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Gavin and Stacey has done our town the world of good. It's put us on the map. Yeah. Uh, I'm still gutted that I've never I've not got one of my milk floats in it. I was I offering my god bonus to get in we've been on Doctor Who we've been on um, uh, quite a few different things Torchwood uh, Welsh version of Casualty they use milk floats as scene setters because they assume yeah. you're in the morning um, not always the case but they assume but we've never got on Gavin and Stacey lots of my mates who had businesses in town have it's, um, yeah, yeah. but it's been a world good so I love Gavin and Stacey and long may it continue <laughs> but next next one but Nessa, yeah. Ian Scouse-Scott. I met this guy whilst yeah. I was in Malawi at Cool Runnings Hostel. I wish I'd had more time to yeah. chat as he'd stayed a couple of days. Looking forward to this one. Cool. Nice one. They were... I So I went up... At, I, again, most of my journey was, was kind of word of mouth. I didn't have a particular plan. I had a vague idea where I was going... 
I would rock up somewhere and someone at that place would say, you need to go here. So yeah. I was in um, uh, Mafui in Zambia, South Luanga uh, National Park. And uh, I was in a campsite there and someone said, oh, where are you headed? I said, Malawi. They said, you've got to go to Cool Runnings. So I'd just done 21 days camping and uh, I was kind of quite keen to go into a room. So I headed off, my visa ran out in Zambia, headed to Chipato, which was on the border. I managed to get a room there, but it was election time and it was a bit manic and didn't sleep too well. And I thought, right, I'll head to Malawi, head to Cool Runnings. Um, I think it's a place you and Charlie stayed. I don't think it's on the film, but they did stay there. Beautiful place run by an ex-Zim girl. Absolutely fantastic place. Locked up there on the Harley, thinking I need a room. I've I've done you know twenty one days in a tent. So I kind of like a room, and I turned up. There's no one there. It's a beautiful place, right on the lake, um, in on the southern part of the lake. Locked up there, and uh, no one there. And they went, "Oh, I'm sorry, all the rooms are taken." Mm. I went, "There's no one here." They said, "No, the British Army booked the lot." I went, what? They, they're not here. They're out on manoeuvres. They were training up the Malawian Defence Force. Right. I said, hold on a minute. They're the army. I pay my bloody taxes. They can go in a bloody tent. I want a room. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was pre-book. <laughs> but they were, they were Scots guards, strangely <laughs> enough. So they had a, a little, um, there was, a, I don't know, there must have been about 20 of them out there. And I had, I, I ended up staying I, I, I rock up everywhere and think I'm only going to stay a night or two, but I wasn't on a time scale or anything. And I ended up staying. I turned up there on the Monday, ended up drinking with these guys, and they were fab. They were so entertaining. They were lovely, <laughs> lovely people, and it was a fantastic place. Um, and it was Six Nations. And I oh, got no. there on the Monday, and uh, Wales, Scotland were playing on the Saturday, the following Saturday. And they said, well, you've got to stay for the match. And um, you we left in March. Getting... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, we ended up staying. I ended up staying the week, and they'd go off on manoeuvres every day, and they'd wake me up every morning. I'm in my tent. All their Land Rovers and Toyotas are parked up next to my tent. They'd get up at five in the morning and go off on training stuff. Um, but in the night, they'd come back and they'd drink like fishes. I mean, there's probably, mm. you know. They were fab. They were fantastic people, um, lovely guys. And it was great to just meet some Brits. You know, yeah, I didn't yeah, see anyone yeah. on my own, hardly at all. No overlanders at all on the whole six months, hardly. Wow. Um, and um, I was in the rainy season, so everyone was much more sensible than I was. Um, so, yeah, but unfortunately, by the time the match came, the night before, I think they'd had – the Americans were there as well, and they'd had a night where the Americans came over as well for a night out with them, and we got absolutely shit-faced. Um, I, I remember there was about four the of us. The finest tradition of, of the military. Oh, there was it was one guy, and I'm, I'm sure Scouts would remember – one of the guys was Fijian or something like that, and – there was a couple of us drink, and they were just drink, they just drunk by colours, which frightened the life out of me. I, it was the first time I drank gin and tonic with them. I've never drunk gin and tonic. I was forty nine years old, and I never drunk gin and tonic. And they she got was. me on gin and tonic, and then they they gave me these coloured drinks, and we got absolutely smashed to pieces. Um, and the match was the next day. And by the time the match was on, we were all so hung over. It was, and it was a horrible match. It was full of fouls and it was, and Wales beat them. And I cannot believe that they still, they didn't just 
blow my bike out in the middle of the night <laughs> because we won the rugby. But they were a fab bunch. So yeah, great to great to hear a question from you, Scouse. Um, awesome. I, I remember that that week particularly as being the biggest hangover I had of the whole journey. <laughs> um, a fantastic time. Cool Runnings was a super cool place. Um, and it was weird because I went off then up to Tanzania and they were, I went up there, spent a couple of weeks up there, came back and stayed in Cool Runnings on the way back. And there was about four of them left. All the rest had either shipped out to go home. But I think the four were left or six were left were going off to Mozambique to do some more training down there. Um, but they did some sort of, um, and Scouts will remember this, they did, what's the mud mud running thing people do? Mud, um, um, mud, mud uh, is it mud runner? No, mud. Yeah, mud, whatever, oh, you know, hard God, running thing. Yeah, and the assault the, course thing. They, yeah, they went and did that. Tough mudder, and, um, tough mudder. Mudder, yeah, we mm. went and did a tough mudder, and I remember going and watching that, and uh, just yeah, just an amazing time with those guys. So, Scouts, nice, brilliant to hear from you, mate. Um, I still remember the hangover very, very, very well. Good. So, yeah, awesome. yeah, hope all is well. Next one, Ian Absolutely. Pickup. Out of all the bikes to choose from, why the Harley? And also, what made you decide that was the trip to do with it? Easy question, easy, easy question, because I get asked that a lot. Um, I've had a love of Africa since I was a young boy. Um, um, So when doors were shutting, you know, I was kind of thinking I'm not going to be able to do this trip. And it was a, you know, I had to do it then. There may not be another opportunity. And so doors were shutting and I thought, well, you know, the next progression probably is South America. And much as it looks wonderful, and I'm kind of coming round to South America a lot more, partly through Spencer mm. and Kathy, actually. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, maybe I should go there. But it, I just wanted to do Africa. There was, I think, if you if you've got it in your head, there is no substitute. It's you know, it's not the last great adventure. There's many places you can have adventure, but for me, you know, I wanted to see Africa. I'd read about it. I'd, I'd, mm. I'd, just just it just was drawing me um and the bike um it's the bike i've wanted since i was 14 um so i've done a lot of miles on it uh i've done a lot of miles on other bikes so choppers and and old sort of harleys so um it was no question of taking anything else unless the bike wasn't capable when i did the destruction test in morocco i realized it was was, and it it wasn't it wasn't because you know social media wasn't on the thing i wasn't trying to prove a point there was absolutely nothing other in it than i love that motorbike and i love africa and putting those two together was just my dream country simple as that love it beautiful uh next one this is the last one on facebook there were loads of questions uh, sorry loads of posts that were just you know this is amazing can't wait for it all this sort of stuff yeah yeah. so the last question on my facebook is simon broom this is a good one i've just read it your friend has invented a time machine but it can only go back in time and you can use it only once you can go back in one time in your life to change something that happened or not whichever which is it and when so you can either go back and change something or not what would it be you know i i read it and i racked my brain it it is a brilliant question and i racked my brain and i just went 
I'm not very good. I live in here and now. I'm not very good. Even though I ride classic bikes, I, I kind of don't, I don't, I don't hanker for a time gone by. I live, mm. today's what I can live at. And a, a bit like I was saying earlier, it's worry about the stuff you can change, not the stuff you can't. And I read that and I went, that's, that's one of the best questions I've ever read. Mm. And I just thought, that's really interesting. But I don't think, you know, we've all made, you know, maybe I lived a fairly wild life between my teens and 30s. And I kind of think maybe I should have traveled more, but I chose a different path, um, which I'm not going to go into. Um, uh, and and I kind of, you know, that's sort of, it's not a regret because it shaped me into the person I am. And, and yeah. it, it, but I, I, there isn't anything I would change because I'm who I am because of what I've done. I'd love to have Absolutely. traveled at 18 and done Africa uh, for my 18th birthday. I was going to do again, it was be pre-internet. So I'd sent away from a newspaper cutting to a company who were driving Bedford's trucks, army trucks from, Nairobi down to Malawi or something and it was a six week trip and I, I thought I'm going to do that that's, I, that's what I'm going to do and at, at the time I ended up playing in a band and for my 18th birthday I got another guitar and an amp or something like that so um, that was the choice I made and I didn't go traveling um, and I kind of I kind of regretted that for a long time but then having now done it and, and seen some sort of Drago man and overland truck scenes with youngsters in them. I would uh-huh. never have appreciated what I was doing. I'd have just yeah. been. Yeah. I know what you mean. Time. Yeah. yeah exactly. um, so uh, no, I, I wouldn't go back and change a thing because where I've come, got from has got me to where I am now. And it's made you the person you are. Yeah. That's, that's my yeah. sort of feelings. No, I've had this question before. <laughs> was that, what was that? Right or wrong, it's got me to where I am. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like stupid decisions, I have no question. Um, I think everyone has, though, in their past, and you know, you things happen in relationships and in jobs and and uh, just in life, don't they? The way you you make yeah. a decision either way, whether that's right or wrong or whatever. But you've like now, uh, I couldn't be happier. You know, I'm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have an amazing wife. I've I've got a cracking son. I, I'm living the dream as far as what I do for a living is concerned, yeah. and I'd never change that. And everything yeah. that's happened in the past has caused me to be the person I am. That's made the decisions to arrive where I am now. So, you know, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, I think I, I think want to change that. I remember giving someone the wrong change once when I was on a milk round, and, and, and that troubled me, but I did go back and give them the right change a couple of weeks later. So some things you kind of need to do. Um, but, uh, it's like no, karma, I, isn't it? It's karma, it's karma. Yeah, just, yeah, I, I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I've been very, very lucky that, I, that you know, the, 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 the paths I've taken haven't always been right by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but I've, I've actually, I've got great friends. I've had you know, amazing, amazing people in my life. Um, I've managed to do a lot of things, not without considerable sacrifice at times. I mean, it's not been an easy path um, sometimes. Um, So, you know, none of us have easy paths at times. We all have darker times. Um, Mm. 
But yeah, no, I, 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 I love the question and I racked my brains. I saw that one come up a couple of days ago and I racked my brains and thought, I want a really clever answer to that. And I think, and I thought for a long time about it, more than any other, especially some of the ones that my mates have put up. Um, yeah, I'm uh, reading some of them now as we speak. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, I, yeah, I thought about that a lot. And I just thought, I don't have a clever answer. I can only say, no, move forward, don't look back. Right, okay. Well, here's one from one of your mates, I'm assuming. Jonathan Lane. <laughs> Quick question. Have you ever driven a fast car down the Roos Bypass at high speed? What's the story to that then? Well, Jonathan Lane no comment. <laughs> one of one of my um, – he's a, a, a lovely guy from my town who is an inspirational guy, and, and we were talking about inspirational people before. John Lane was one of the first people in our town to have a choppery kind of bike back. He's 10 years older than I am. So one of my 56, he's 66 now. Um, and John has an eye for aesthetics. So he taught me a lot about building stuff when I was building choppers and bikes and just, just a lovely, lovely, lovely man. John ended up buying, um, he was always into motorbikes and custom cars. John ended up buying, I'll try and keep this as brief as I can. Um, <laughs> hi, John, in Michigan. Um, he moved from Michigan. Um, uh, he bought uh, a 1932 Ford Coupe hot rod, which was built by the no other than Jeff Beck. Okay. Jeff Beck is renowned as being one of Britain's best guitarists, but he also mm-hmm. builds amazing hot rods. So, John. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no. There's a there's a Google Jeff Beck and look at the he did a an hour's program on telly about his hot rods and his life and his hot rods are as good as his guitar in just wow. phenomenal. And he he went out with Julia Carling, uh, Will Carling's wife, rugby player, uh-huh. and he built. He didn't sell any, but he built it for Julia. I, I think John, correct me if I'm wrong. Built it for Julia Carling when he used to go out with her before she married Will Carling, and he oh, she sold it. Oh, oh, I thought it was before uh, after. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, so so John has always been into cars, amazing bikes. He built an amazing BSA, has ridden bikes all his life, ridden Harleys. We bought our Harleys the same time together in '87, pretty much. Um, but he's always been into his car, so he was running three hundred and fifty uh, Chevy motor thirty two coupe. He also now has a Model T, which is is just bonkers, bonkers. Anyway, he's now um, he worked for Dow Corning and he moved to Michigan because he was living the American dream anyway. So he might as well yeah. move. <laughs> I used to be into quite high end sports cars, so I took John out in a. Um, German sports car with the engine in, in the boot, um, mm-hmm. which was fairly tasty. And so the Roos Bypass Road is a road a lot of us use just to try stuff out. And um, you, I, you hooligan. Know, I'm glad you're not in the profession you used to be in. <laughs> I wouldn't have um, cared. I genuinely I wouldn't care. have cared. I, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know the reasons. But um, uh, so, yeah, I used to I used to drive this thing. I'm not a speed demon at all, but this thing was just so good at going very, very quickly. So yeah. I used to go out with a girl in Cardiff and, and I'd drive back from her place late at night and, um, you know, pull in, pull in 180 plus um, down a link road Jesus back to our town. Christ and I, and in the end, I realised it was... Kilometres, kilometres, obviously. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And I just thought I'd, I'd only it should never ever impact anyone else. So there was mm. no one on the road. If ever I hit those speeds, no one on the road. And I'd, um, but then I realised at some stage the helicopter might see me, and then, <laughs> and then I got a prison. So I just went, and in fact, I kind of borrowed the car for a while from that particular company um, uh, for a lot of money, and then had to give it back because I couldn't afford to pay them anymore. <laughs> but it was an amazing, you know, no regrets. But um, yeah, it was it was crazy. So I took John out on um, uh, a ride in there, and I, I had a track car as well. So I alternate between the two oh, and wow. take people out in both. And um, it was quite an interesting thing because you'd kind of do similar speeds, um, but the one was bonkers and the other was designed to do it. So, yeah, to so, do um, yes, I did. I'm guilty. Um, it was happy days, but I'm very happy that I don't have to pay those kind of bills anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, going on with the track, the the last question, we'll, we'll hey. touch on that. Uh, yes. So we got one before that, which was uh, Spencer, Spencer Conway again. He's asking, uh, we've already covered this. The, do you think the new Harley Adventure bike, the Pan American, will it rival others in the market despite looking like an orange and grey hippo with 70s headlights? Well, we kind of covered that already, haven't we? We had quite a chat about the Pan American. It's like a Hoover from the 60s. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> so Dave Robinson. Hmm? Yes. Or a larder. It looks like a seventies larder. It's just a weird. It's I, why in the pictures it doesn't. Good at, it just doesn't look like it at, flows. Yeah, I don't. Harley point good at aesthetics. They mm. are, and why they've thought that that's maybe it's an American thing. Maybe it just doesn't translate across the Atlantic. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm. I'm hoping it's just like we said before. I'm hoping it's going to be one of those bikes that when you see it in the flesh. It makes sense, mm. but in the pictures, well, it rides amazingly well. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing. I am hearing. I am hearing from the Yanks who've ridden it because it's already out over there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. From them, uh, everyone is. I mean, they're going to be. I know, but everyone is like, "Shit, this this is a good bike." You know, this is a yeah, really yeah. good bike. So I'm yeah, hoping it, yeah. it is as good as it's made out. I think Harley I, has I to. I, yeah, yeah, I think Harley's I made it. Because they're they're now, I thought they would do that. I said this before in a podcast with the live wire. I said, I wonder if Harley's future lies in electric, because yeah, it's a to it's like a total rebrand. And there, the live wire rides for me. It rides totally differently to all the other electric, like to the zero, to the Energicas that I'd ridden. It rides different. Are you in it, one? It, yeah, yeah. It feels like a. It doesn't feel like a Harley, but it has the same feeling of a Harley. You know, when you ride a Harley, you feel like you're riding something different. And riding yeah, yeah. the live wire made me feel I was riding something different. Even though it's an electric bike, yeah, it's yeah. different to the other electric bikes. And I did think to myself, ooh, because electric bikes are essentially a battery yeah. with bits bolted to it, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. Absolutely ripe for um, customization, and I just thought, yeah. "Ooh, I wonder if this could be the market." It's interesting. They started I've a new company. Sorry, sorry, go on. Yeah, I've run a fleet of electric vehicles for yeah. all my life, and it, it is people. You know, I mean, they're worlds apart, but the, the the basics are the same. And and you know, as much as I'm a petal head through and through, it's an interesting, it's an interesting future. 
I think. Definitely yeah. and a really interesting future. I'm excited by it. I genuinely am. Yeah, you know, I am. I don't think petrol petrol bikes are never going to go away. Certainly in like our like my lifetime, petrol bikes will never go away. It'll be like classic cars are now, and you know, and eventually mm. like steam engines are now. They'll always have that yeah. following, won't they? But I'm yeah. not I'm not scared of the prospect of us moving to electric or or no. hydrogen or whatever it is, whatever the next fuel. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, take, it's, it's taken me fifty four years to buy a diesel. And move out of petrol <laughs> into diesel. But I think the transition from diesel to electric will be a lot faster for me. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a choice, is there? In terms no, of... No, well, probably not. In, in terms of cars... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting world. I think it's, you know, it's moved. We've been kind of the same for a long time in the internal combustion engine, in mm. vehicles. And I think, you know, the next 20 years is going to be a massive jump in... in Sort of, you know, ideas and and um, knowledge coming out of that of yeah. of, you know, they're making them fun. And I know when they first came out, everyone just went, "It's a milk float." And I've driven yeah. enough miles in a milk float to realise they're shit. They're <laughs> milk floats, but it's not a world you really want to be in. Um, so, yeah, to go to, you know, they are making them fun. And that, and that's at the end of the day, you know, the, the the old couple who just want to take it to Tesco's on a weekend and and down you know down to the surgery for their tablets or whatever, it doesn't make any difference. You know, they're going to drive a Nissan Micra or a Nissan Leaf, mm-hmm. but the people like you and me who want some sort of excitement out of it, they're doing that now. And I think that's the oh, God, that's yeah, the massively. interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. I've quite an exciting project lined up with it with electric. I, I I've teased at it. I can't go into any more details, but I, I can't wait to do it because hopefully I, it could prove me wrong. But hopefully this should overcome if it if if I manage it, it will overcome a lot of issues people have or per- perceive mm. that they have with electric bikes. So yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. And it'll be happening oh, fairly soon. Yeah. So um yeah I'm looking forward oh, to getting that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Last one. Dave Robinson, tell us again yeah. about your fun around the Nürburgring. Now there's a story. Come on. What is the story? Well, it's not motorcycle driven, unfortunately. So, oh, well, uh, not interested. Yeah, no. I'd, I'd love to take the Harley round the ring, and I would. I'd be quite. I've never taken the Harley on a track, but I, I did, I did um, uh, circuit stuff in cars for 12, 14 years, something like that. Got mm-hmm. to a point that um, I, 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 I was, Thank I was you. all right. <laughs> Supplies turn up. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Seaports just handed me a beer. She's awesome. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so I, I um, uh, sort of, I'd go a couple of times a month, got kind of heavily into it. Um, I was very, very lucky to end up in a in a circuit club and I got taken under a few people's wings, we'll say. So I got taught by a guy called Willie Green, who at the time was Britain's best historic racer. He used to race Fangio's X Maserati 250F, X Formula 150s car. And he kind of taught me how to drive the ring. And and I was very lucky and fortunate to to be in the right place at the right time. And the circuit club I was with, we would rent the ring for uh, a weekend or a couple of days, not necessarily weekend, uh, exclusively. So you're not dealing with double-decker buses and motorbikes and 
yeah, the, the Joe Public on it, and we'd have it exclusively. And it just so happened that um, before she became famous on Top Gear, one of our instructors Sabine. was Sabine Schmidt. So I uh, very, very luckily had an hour with Sabine Schmidt in on the ring. Um, and I've been lucky. I've been with Formula One, Le Mans guys, historic guys, um, touring car guys, um, test drivers from Lotus and Porsche, um, amazing drivers. Just I love being with people who just ex- just were just at the top of their game. And I don't mm-hmm. care, you know, the passion and the, the skill involved. And, you know, I was lucky that I was in that environment, but, you know, it could be knitting or dog trading or whatever. It doesn't matter. But these people were just the best of the best. And I was very lucky to be um, in that environment for a little while. Um, and so um, I did an hour with Sabine around the ring um uh, not long before she was doing the transit van stuff so when she did the transit van stuff on top gear mm-hmm. she stayed with the person of an hour circuit club so she wears right. an rma t-shirt on the top gear thing so she was oh, big okay. in uh, uh, our our crowd we'll say um mm-hmm. so yeah i did um four laps with her i don't know if you've done the ring you ever done the ring i have yeah, yeah i've done the ring yeah yeah, you know, it is petrol head heaven. It oh, it's just, amazing, amazing If experience. Disney invented somewhere to drive a car, it would be the Nürburgring. Absolutely. It just is one of the best places on earth. And I've done, uh, I mean, Donington was my circuit of choice. I've done thousands of laps around Donington, Castle Coombe, um, Brands Hatch, Snetterton, yeah, all the big circuits, Silverstone. Um, I've been, I've done a few hundred laps around the ring, um, but out with Shabine was just bonkers. She'd never driven. I had a, my tracker was a Lotus Elise, souped up, very, very, it's not a brilliant ring car because it's not high, high speed, topped out at 148. Um, but it, um, uh, so smaller circuits, it was better at. Rings got lots of long straights, so higher powered cars are better, but it handles well. She'd never driven one before. She jumped in my car. Um, she couldn't fit the harnesses on it. I had a sort of racing seat and six-point harness and stuff. She couldn't fit it on. So technically, she shouldn't have gone out on the circuit because she couldn't do anything up. She didn't give flying, you know. <laughs> we went off. By the second corner, she just went, I like this car. She was as mad as you would love to think she is. She was absolutely wonderful woman. And I know a few people, I think Yoka met her a few times. Um, The people who have met her just went, she she was exactly as she was on the telly. I'm blessed. You know, it was a very, very, I was genuinely upset when I heard of her her passing away. away, Yeah, she was, she was just real. There was Mm. nothing about her that wasn't real. But from a talent, I, as I say, I've been with Formula One, Test Drive, all, all sorts of people. I have never been in a car where, and the fact that it was my own car, um, I've never been with someone who, who you just went, that is someone who has skill I could do 10 lifetimes and would never get. She mm. was astonishing. She, we went, she didn't kind of get track day etiquette, we'll say, from a British point of view, because if she was in a car, she just wanted to be in front of everyone. Um, and I remember coming down to the foxhole and and 
we were overtaking someone and you kind of, the circuit club I were with we, it was very, you had to be of a certain standard. So there was not as many rules as sort of a bread and butter circuit club. You could do all sorts of stuff, but you still had to be um, polite, we'll say. Mm. And she didn't give her monkeys. And I remember overtaking a guy in a brand new um very limited edition, very powerful Exige Lotus at the time. Um, and we went past him and I'm in the passenger seat. And I thought if I lent out, I could have tickled him under his chin. And Jeez. we were so close to him. And we're going to the foxhole, which is just bonkers at the best of time. <laughs> and she did she and she'd never driven the thing before. So the, the talent on her was amazing. And then there was a 900 brake horse powered 911 uh GT racer driven by a GT racer and she went for six corners we're going to have him and I'm like we're in my little flipping you know 160 70 horsepower yeah. at least we're never going to yeah lo and behold she was going into corners in fourth or fifth and I'd have been changing down to third and she was changing yeah. up to fifth wow. just mesmerizing the, the the it's one of the the best hours of my life with that woman. Phenomenal. She was just astonishing. And when we finished, pulled up at the at the pits, and um, her husband, who ran one of the biggest sausage factories in Germany, which is, you know, obviously, he flew over us in his matte black little the, helicopter. The fun, the fun I'm going to have editing the teaser, the trailer for this this podcast. <laughs> oh, <awesome. laughs> so yeah, Sorry, I, I, I feel very. I was very privileged to have that situation. And again, I'm, you know, I just happened to be the right person in the right place at the right time. And, and you know, it, 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 it didn't come easy. A lot of this stuff didn't come easy. So please don't think it just, I've had this, you know, sort of, you know, joyous, I have had a joyous life, but it's never, it's, some of it's not easy, but that hour in particular will stay with me till the day I die. Just from a if you if you have an ounce of petrol in your veins, yeah, that's the hour you want with an ounce of petrol in your veins. Strange, but what an awesome what an awesome point to 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 finish. Thank you, Dave. That's three hours. Three hours. Happy days. Um, You knew it wouldn't go easy. Uh, well, no, no, I've loved it. I could do another three, to be perfectly honest. I, I found out, I never realised you were such a big sort of petrol head track fiend. I, I never knew that about you at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I kind of, my mum always said, you'll find something you're good at. And I, and, and I don't want to blow my own trumpet because I'm, you know, there's many people who are much better than me. I could hustle a car around a circuit quite well. I got mm. kind of quite good at that. And I got told by people who were a lot better than I'll ever be that I could do that quite well. I, I drove a car much better than I rode a motorbike, but I love motorbikes and cars mm. with tools. Oh, it's quite okay. a weird thing. And I could, I've, I've been without a car for many years, but I've never been without a motorbike. So my passion is motorbikes, but I could hustle a car quite well. I'm a bit like that with food. I'm really good at eating, but I'm not that great at cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Does your wife cook well? No, I, oh, I do shit. the cooking. She can't, she can't cook. She can't cook, but I do the cooking most of the time. Most of the time, it's me. That, I like that analogy, though. That is, yeah, no, that's quite, yeah. I, yeah, I'm lucky because Maria is a fantastic cook and loves to cook. 
And much to her annoyance, she keeps saying, I've got to cook at least two or three times a week, but I only cook once a week. And right. I cook Italian, and that's my thing. And I, I, I do that okay. Um, but she said, Well, you cook something else. I said, Well, you won't like it because she likes yeah, everything yeah. with chilies in it. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, that's quite a good, good thing. So. Awesome. Uh, Gareth, where can people go to find out more about the trips that you've done? Is, it, is there a record anywhere where people can go? And- so Pan Without a Plan on Facebook. And, mm-hmm. and apologies if you go on it. So I did the, the the Pan Without a Plan is where it all started from that point of view. I don't do um, much historic stuff. I've been very lucky. A mate of mine is – I didn't take photos for years. And a mate of mine did, and he's just been archiving it all on Facebook. So there's mm-hmm. stuff which I haven't put up on that, but stuff from when I was on with Chop, and I look about 12 years old and drunk in – you know, sort of campsites in Portugal and, and um, uh, France and stuff. Um, so Pan Without a Plan is the site where the Harley trip was. Um, and I think I also put up the Fruit Adventure stuff on there, which, I'm again, have a look at the Fruit Adventure. You can Google the Fruit Adventure. That was a, a very unique trip and an amazing uh, project. But um, uh, the Pan is my trip, and that's the thing I'm proud of. And that's where, you know, my life changed. So Pan without a plan. Unfortunately, I am not very proactive with it. So have a look at it. Go back to the interesting stuff. There'll be more stuff on it when I go and do more stuff, but I'm not going to yeah, put stuff on if it's just day to day. You know, hey, I'm I'm working on the bike today. I'm not I'm not put to practice, but go and have a look at. You know, there's some uh, people kind of quite like the photos. I mean, you put up the few. The elephant mm-hmm. one is everyone loves, and I love that picture. And, yeah. um, you know, Namibia and stuff. It's it just you know. But if you get the chance, look at my photos. Go and do your own journey out there. Or in France or Cornwall or wherever. Go and do your own. Folks, I will I will put links to um to that Pam without a plan in the show notes and in the vid description. So if you listen to the podcast, check out the show notes. If you're watching the vid, look at the description down below. Um Gareth, before we go, mate, is there any anything you want to plug? Is there anything you want to promote or any shout outs you want to give? Feel free. See, I'm so rubbish. I mean, I always, I always vowed I'd write a book, and I, I, I kind of got halfway through it. it. I, I did notes on the journey, so I, I, I'd have this, I'd have this cunning plan that everyone travel, you know, people who travel solo, you go, you know, the riding's fantastic, but when you stop in the evening, you just get bored and lonely. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I know what I'll do. I'll take a shit motorbike. And I'll take that. So I won't get bored and lonely. I'll work on the bike every night. I'll be fixing it. Because yeah. I'll be busy and I won't be bored. And, and, you know, thankfully, the bike ran really, really well. So I didn't have to work on it. So I ended up writing a diary. And and so I ended up doing, you know, I don't know, 40,000, 40,000 words on this thing um, and got into it really well. I, I, if some, you know, people who know me from years back go, you're not writing anything, you're an idiot. But I, I actually really enjoyed writing it. And I thought, oh, I've got, to, I've got to do something. But you come home and then life takes over and you're not in the moment anymore. And and, and I thought, when I retire, I'll write the book. And then COVID happened. I've been kind of doing other stuff. Um, so eventually I will write the book. But other than that, I have absolutely nothing to plug. I don't court um, anything at all apart from just ride a motorbike and ride it somewhere. Just go and ride a motorbike and enjoy your enjoy. You know, don't get stressed out with stuff. Don't 
get in with the media. Don't think I can't go on a journey because I've got the wrong helmet or jacket um, or motorbike or anything. If you want to do it, just go and do it. There is no barrier uh, other than your own head, basically. Absolutely. Amen to that. I couldn't say it any better. Also, um, may I have uh, absolutely slangs to you. I have absolutely <laughs> loved spending the last three odd hours chatting with you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> I can't wait to do it face to face again. Um, uh, both hopefully come down. I've, I've, I've thrown the gauntlet down from your test ride. Um, YouTube, you're thing. on, you're on, come and ride the pan when you're in this neck of the woods. I mean, you know, we're, we're out and about, we're, we're not going anywhere, um, for the next few months for sure. So, you know, come uh, down, we can 100%. put you up in the house or the park or whatever. Yeah, yeah, come, come, it would be. Not many people have ridden that, Harley. Craig, Kerry, Cinch has ridden it. Dylan uh-huh. rode it. Dylan Wickramer. A couple of mates rode it. Hardly anyone's ridden it. And it would just be interested to get someone who's kind of <clears> got <throat> a big, bit wider view on things to, to ride it to. and just get a right. little um, insight into it. So you, you're always welcome down this neck of the woods anyway. That, Let's make it happen, that. brother. Let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll just do my best not to... I'll do my best not to break anything else in the mug. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't I I've done that. So sorry. It cost me about three quid to fix it, Bruce. Don't, don't, don't stress. <laughs> but it was Jeez. funny because when you came up with that, I thought, what am I going to say? What's the, what's the key thing I know about Bruce? He was one of the – it was – so the, the mug was – when we took it to Overland, we'd, we'd gone a few places. You know Helen Lloyd? Have you ever interviewed Helen? Yeah, yeah, I know Helen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I'm not, I was I was thinking about her the other day about about asking her if she'd come on. Helen is just a joy of a girl. I mean, we go and stay mm. with Helen. The first place we took them on was to Helen's place. Helen's brilliant. You'll 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 love. She she would. She, she's so she's so um, uh, not. She, she's just so normal. And yeah. then you get out. And you look of at it, what she's done. Goes, yeah, you just go. Yeah. You're a bloody lunatic. Yeah, you know. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to see her. I'm going up to Hereford because she lives just outside. She lives about 20 minutes from Baskerville. She came right. down and stayed the other week, and she's bought another. She's bought another Overland in pedal bike. So oh God knows God. where that's going. But it's in my garage. Yeah, it's in my garage, and I got to drop it up to her on, on, on the weekend. So, but yeah, so. Um, Helen was the first place we took the Mog when we got it up to her place. Um, and then the second place we took it was Winter Warmer. And when we got there, Mark Connell, and I don't know if you know Mark, one of the Overland crowd, quite a quietish guy, he um, he knows me and Maria quite well. And when Maria said, we're going to bring it up to the Overland winter rent, but it ain't going to be a party bus. And you met Maria. <laughs> It's not going to be a party bus. The first thing you said to me at the bar, Maria said that. She said that this will not be a party bus. And we were all like, okay. And then when the pub shut, she was the first one to say, two hours. (laughs) She's an animal. She's an animal. And she said, (laughs) right, everyone back. And I think it was yourself. Um, I think Yoka might have been in it. Um, Hell, Michelle. Michelle. Mm -hmm. Michelle was in it. And that was the first party we had in the in yeah. in the mog so you were yeah it was quite funny and the fact that when you got up it was just like bang smash oh, it's like it's a party bus 
And long may right, that well, continue. Let's let's make the um, the test ride of the pan happen. I will definitely come see you. I'm well up for that. Yeah, and, whenever. Um, Are you welcome to stay? You can stay in the house, stay in the mug, whatever. You know, we'll work something. We'll work something. Awesome. But awesome. Yeah, come come down and try. That would be a really interesting interesting thing because you I'm know people avoid to it. it. My, brother, my brother rode it. He's got an MV4. S oh well for Oro actually the before they released the S and he's got a ninety two fire blade, oh, wow. um and and has had it since ninety three, so he likes his sport bikes. He rode it before it went to Africa. I'd done lots of Europe on it. He rode it about a mile up the road from work and back, and went. It's like sitting on the toilet because that's what it feels like. And he said, I can't believe you ride this to work. And I live two miles from my work. He said, I can't believe you ride it to work, let alone ride Europe. It's fucking useless. <laughs> so just to put you in the picture. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah. And on that yeah. note, folks, um, I hope you've enjoyed this one. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been, Who's... I can't believe it's been three hours. I've absolutely <laughs> loved it, man. Yeah, no, it's been a real play, and, and yeah, it, it, it certainly ain't a chore, mate. Beautiful. You know, good well, luck with what you do, and the reason it does well is because you do it well. Oh, I'm here. Oh. Thank yeah, you very no. much, but it's um, it's all about the guests. It's all about the guests. Yeah, um, it doesn't folks, work without them, the man in charge. <laughs> keep on doing your thing. I hope you've enjoyed this one. And um, I think Gareth has highlighted this perfectly about what he said earlier. Look after those that you love, get on out there and live your life. Woo-ha! I'll, I'll drink to that. Cheers, Bruce. <laughs> Thank you all for your amazing Dude. questions. Thanks for the invite. Enjoy, Mate, Enjoy the summer. It. Absolutely Cheers, loved it. Thank you so much for that. It's been uh, genuinely a good fun.